Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. of the story of the morning right kevin like here we are on a monday which feels like it's been six months since we've seen each other good morning to everybody and getting the jolt back for back to work now for the stretch heading into the holidays and it's a colts monday colts playing tonight monday night football we've had it circled on the calendar since the schedule came out and that would and probably still will be the dominant part of our conversation but how about the weekend for purdue athletics unbelievable uh, unbelievable for both their football and basketball programs. Um, yeah, you know, you think you haven't played a Monday night home game, Jake, since what, 2015? It would take something pretty special to supersede that, and Purdue accomplished it. And boy, it started the wee hours of Thanksgiving. I I, I couldn't make it to the second half of the Gonzaga game. I was like, gosh, I'm neither struggling. could Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah, they right? uh, they definitely did Holy not. How? And, and I guess it's just. You know what Purdue did in each of those three games. Like I kind of forget. I mean, they beat a Bob Huggins team by double digits in the opener of that tournament. Then they do the same thing to Gonzaga and their close yesterday with Duke. Um, those three wins will look pretty, pretty darn good in the month of March. I thought about that. Like they've already accumulated and stockpiled. Yeah, I mean, the- what do they always say? What do you do in the non-conference? What do you do away from home? Right. And they just got three beautiful, again, convincing-looking wins. And obviously, what happened in Bloomington, I guess what happened in Iowa City on Friday afternoon with Nebraska holding on to beat Iowa. Um, and then, on, just sadly, you know, the, the, there's a bit of a Hollywood feel to it all with the tragic passing of Aiden O'Connell's brother. Um, it, and you hear the emotion of Jeff Brom in that post-game press conference. Jake, we've had him on before. He is a very stoic individual. Right. Very stoic. And we'll play the audio a little bit later. We'll have Bob Kravitz on at 9 o'clock who asked Jeff that question, the postgame presser. Um, I remember we had Jeff on back a few months ago. He said, you know, Aiden O'Connell's a guy you want to marry your daughter. And everything the O'Connell family's been through this past week, Aiden specifically, to go ahead and, you know, be down at halftime in that game, come back and win that game, and now be rewarded with this, hopefully provides a little bit of a glimmer. I mean, it's been a very tragic week for that family. So there's been uh, a lot that's taken place since we were last here. We'll talk about all of it over the course of the morning. Good morning to you. That is the voice of Kevin Bowen. My name is Jay Query. Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5. The fan as everybody's kind of getting up and going back to work. And this is really, I mean, it really is a fun time of year because, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's great. I think a lot of people are kind of itching to get back. I know that sounds crazy, but get back into the flow of things to then set themselves up and get ready for the holidays. But, Kevin, it does feel like a while ago since we were here. Did you have a good somewhat of a week, <laughs> yeah. if you will? Yeah, I, I did. I, you know, We were saying last Wednesday, Jake, it's always one of my favorite weeks of the year. Um, you know, Obviously, to see family and friends and you know, said on Wednesday, I feel like the older you get, at least me personally, the more thankful 
I've become. Unfortunately, it kind of takes age to drill that into me. Uh, but then from a sporting standpoint, I mean, I forgot like 10 things that happened on totally Wednesday night into yep. Thursday. I mean, the Pacers have played three games. Um, you know, you had a really good Minnesota-New England Thursday night Thanksgiving game. Uh, the United States-England and soccer on Friday. Um, and then obviously everything that transpired here locally from Purdue and Indiana and the Michigan-Ohio State game. I, I, all of a sudden, we've got like two massive head coaching moves in the Big Ten, and that's like 13th on the radar today. Yeah, how about Luke Fickle coming? You know, it's interesting. I was talking to my buddy Doug Heath, who's a huge Cincinnati, I think season ticket holder for Cincinnati football, and I texted him yesterday, and I said, Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. And he's like, that would stun me. There's no way that's the case. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you. And then it comes out, and he said, that would surprise me because Luke Fickle had turned down Notre Dame and now accepts Wisconsin. And, you know, you never know the, the the inner workings of what might go through somebody's mind. You know, who knows, right? Luke Fickle may have family that lives in Madison. I mean, who knows? But, Kevin, this is going to sound crazy. And I, again, this is going to sound crazy. But is it possible in 2022, now hear me out, but is it possible in 2022, even though I think we have pretty good inclination that eventually Notre Dame is going to find its way into the Big Ten, as there still appears to be this looming eventual merging of conferences into like power conferences, is it possible that Wisconsin is considered a parallel job to Notre Dame, not because of the tradition, because Notre Dame trumps that, not because of even the fan base or the lore, because Notre Dame would trump there as well, but because it is already in the Big Ten, and therefore you know that you are moving into a conference that you know is possibly going to be like this super conference, and they're already there, as opposed to waiting to find out what happens with Notre Dame. I, so Luke Fickle turned down? Notre Dame, that I, is that is news to me. I, Luke Fickle supposedly was approached by Notre Dame, wasn't he? I I should have I should have clarified. Doug was saying that, and I, he's a he's very tied into Cincinnati. Gotcha. So I, I, I was not. I, I, I was under the impression that he wanted to coach Cincinnati through the playoff last year. That may be the case. That may be. The and case. Notre, did Dame Notre Dame obviously wanted to move quicker. Did Notre to Dame reach out Green. to him? I I don't know. Um, yeah, I, let that. me let me be clear there. I by no means am I saying that that like Notre Dame officially had right. made him an offer. I was stunned to see that name. Jake, I know we're not necessarily here with the Colts yet, but we probably can discuss this during the bye week. And there were some interesting Jim Irsay comments with Stephen Holder, by the way, uh, on Thanksgiving. I believe Jim Irsay decided to have a chat with Stephen Holder. We can get to as well today. Um, If Chris Ballard, Jake, in my opinion, if he was, is, whatever you want to call it, spearheading any sort of coaching search, I thought Luke Fickle would have been on a very short list. I, I would agree with that. I, so Harbaugh, that's why I'm stunned. Jim Harbaugh's name is going to come out as well, right? Yeah, and again, I'm, I guess Ballard and Fickle specifically. I know Ballard extremely impressed by what Fickle's done there. It seems I, lateral would be a slap in the face of Wisconsin in the Big Ted Conference, but it just seems like Luke Fickle had – he could wait for bigger. Okay, like if Ryan Day me. ever goes to the NFL, about this? doesn't Luke Fickle go to Ohio State? Well, I and I think you still could go from Wisconsin to Ohio State, to be honest with you. But allow me to ask this: Chris Ballard, you, you said has like an admiration for Luke Fickle. Do they? Have, and I don't know the answer to this. Do they have a personal connection? I don't think there's anything personal. I just think he's been very impressed by what he's done at Cincinnati. 
got to know him a little bit more during the draft process with Alec Pierce, and I, I think that's Because the, then, conspiracy theory, Jake would say, well, maybe Luke Fickle knows that Chris Ballard's not the guy making that decision and decided, well, you know what, that's not in the cards for me. Or you could go another way and say, Chris Ballard played at Wisconsin, maybe he told the Wisconsin higher-ups, this is who you need to hire. Yeah. I mean, that, he's a heck of a coach, though. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And then Matt Rule right? to Nebraska, all this is unfolding. I'm thinking, does Scott Dolson sit in Bloomington and think, hmm, this arms race, we're not really running the same race everybody else is running. Kevin, I, I watched the – matter of fact, I think I sent it to you guys. The Big Ten Network – and this was one of those that's like, I don't think this went the way they were hoping it would – the Big Ten Network showed video of Tom Allen's pregame speech yes, sending, so yeah. sending his guys out onto the field in the bucket game. Relentless, right? He's, I mean, he's literally like maniacally pacing back and forth. He looks like a coach, granted, and he's, he's doing this rah-rah speech and players are like staring at the floor. And then he's like, all right, you know, boy, bucket on three. And the team's kind of like, bucket. And I mean, guys are rolling their eyes. I, I'm not trying to kick a guy while his team is down, but that looked to me like a guy that... It, you tell me, Kevin, if I'm being too cynical here because that is a weakness of mine, but it looked to me like a guy that has completely lost his locker room. Yeah, I mean, they did, I guess, show up for half. And obviously the Dexter Williams injury, absolutely awful to see. And that looks like one that could certainly impact his 2023 season. Um, so yeah, Purdue... Big Ten Championship this Saturday night right here uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium. Jake, I I don't think it's a big percentage of Purdue fans, but I'm like, soak up this week, embrace this week. I mean, you're a two-touchdown underdog, probably a little bit more than that. Oh, it's house money. Like, you kidding me? Who cares? It's I house mean, money. You dream of being in these sorts of games, and what an accomplishment in a year that's had so much roller coaster nature for Purdue from the Penn State, you know, late game kind of collapse there. Same thing in Syracuse, you know, moments it looked like there was no chance you could get back into that Big Ten West picture. And now Jeff Brom has gotten the program back to a level that Daryl Hazel wasn't even close, close oh. to sniffing. Um, so big kudos to Jeff Brom. And Purdue, you know, watching them yesterday, Jake. It's one of those things where, and I guess transition over to Matt Painter and the Boilers. I I feel like Painter is such a master at putting the right pieces to the roster puzzle together. Unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Which is, I think, such an underrated aspect of like college basketball coaching it's that you've got to make sure you find the right pieces the pieces then fit together and with Zach Eady being kind of the main I mean he is definitely the main return guy for them after last season without Stefanovic and Ivy and, and Trayvon Williams Matt Painter has put a bunch of shooters a bunch of great passers around him guys that are willing to make the extra pass and they know hey you know, if I'm trying to throw the ball into Edie in the post, maybe from the corner isn't the best idea. Let's throw it up to the wing and see if we can get a better angle there. And I've said this to a lot of Purdue fans over the years, because obviously what happens in March has been such a sour taste for them. I'm a big believer, and maybe the Colts era kind of ingrained this into me, Jake. I'm a big believer in you just create annual opportunities and you will eventually get it done. 
Yeah. And Matt Painter has given that for Purdue. They are a top four or five seed on an annual basis, and they will eventually, the ball will bounce their way in March, they'll hit some shots, et cetera, et cetera, and they will make a run. Similar to that Colts era, I mean, you know this full well, Jake. That 2016 was not the best team of that era. Not the second best team of that era. But yet, some things broke their way. Bob Sanders returns to health, and boom, they win it all. I I just feel like Painter is one of the few, few coaches in college basketball that gives his program, amidst the change, a routine annual chance of being a high seed in March. Um, And it's beautiful to watch. Here's the thing about the Purdue roster that to me is the most impressive. I watched them a lot, a lot of their games here over the weekend. And the selflessness, to your point, Kevin, uh, you know, Caleb First, who was a Mr. Basketball, and, you know, there are a lot of guys that would be like, I'm going there, I'm going to be the guy. Like, I'm the. He's making extra passes to Zach Eady. He's kicking it back outside to Fletcher Lawyer, who's a freshman. You know, totally, totally unselfish in the way that he plays. Mason Gillis, a guy that's battled injury, that Purdue was patient with him, saw in him probably what others didn't throughout the recruiting process, really good outside shooter, perfect complement for what they need in spreading the ball around. Braden Smith, a guy that just won in high school that people looked at and said, he makes everybody on the floor better. I know that he's not a five-star. I know he's only six foot, but just a really smart, like Scott Skiles-type, Bulldog-type player. Trey Kaufman-Wren, big-time recruit, is willing to redshirt, is willing to sit and wait, and Purdue is patient with him and works him in. And then, of course, Zach Eady, who, you know, there is precedent in terms of Purdue big men, but Zach Eady might be the best in terms of facilitator elsewhere in the event that things collapse on him offensively that they've had. I mean, he's probably a better passer of moving the ball around than, say, an Isaac Haas. But it is literally guys that that perfectly fit. I think I told you before. I know I've mentioned it before. I will not say the name of the player. But there was a big-time player a handful of years ago that everybody in America wanted that was playing high school basketball within two and a half hours of West Lafayette. And I asked Purdue once, I'm like, why are you, like, how come you guys aren't in on this player? Like, everybody else seems to be in on him. And literally the answer I got back was, he's pay for play. We're we're not going to do that here. Now, in name, image, likeness era, things have changed in that regard. But the point being, Purdue saw a certain player and said, he's a big-time talent, but he's a handout talent, and we're not going to do that. We want guys here that are hands-in, not not looking for a handout. And, and that's what I love about Purdue basketball. You know, they identified Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer very early in the process, which I think is a I'd really— i say that worked out. Yeah, which I think is a really difficult thing to do. Um, and left you know really strong impressions on both of those guys. And again, just so skilled, great passers, great shooters. Um, the hustle. I mean, I'm watching Edie dive for a loose ball yesterday. I'm thinking if I was seven four, if I'm diving for a loose ball, I mean, I wouldn't be getting up off the floor for a year. And Edie's shooting the. I'm shooting well from the foul line. Uh, John Shire said after the game, it's just you, you cannot prepare for what Edie. Just Edie's sheer size, and then the fact that Purdue has a lot of pieces around him to where there's not a liability from a shooter, there's not a liability from a passer, 
Um, and if you look at their schedule in December, like they're at Florida State this week. That's the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Florida State stinks. I think Purdue's going to be undefeated come New Year's. Have the newest rankings come out yet this morning? Because I'm like, how are they not a top? I mean, I know Houston's probably going to be number one, right? Or Texas, I think is. But like, yeah, you were saying they got to be top ten. Right? But their resume for what they've done already, yeah, definitely. The, I mean, if the NCAA tournament started today, which it doesn't, they'd be a number one seed. Well, you forget too, like they beat Marquette at home. I mean, that's you know that's also a nice win um, early on, and I really think they will run the table here in the month of December. Has the Indiana North Carolina game this week lost a little luster? Boy, poor Indiana, at no fault of theirs, some of the, I mean, they're still really good games, but you were kind of hoping that they would see an undefeated North Carolina or an undefeated Kansas. Now they're going to get Arizona, who's still unbeaten, but yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah, North Carolina lost to, was it Iowa State and Bama, and then... Bama was in 14 overtimes, right? Right, so they have just played a four-overtime game. They're flying from Portland back to Chapel Hill. I'd assume they're, what, landing like now and then getting on a plane tomorrow afternoon for Bloomington? That's probably right, yeah. And Armando Baycott, their big guy, got banged up yesterday. We'll see about his availability. So Purdue, Indiana, both are Wednesday in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, Pacers got run off the floor yesterday a bit. Yeah, was there um, – that was a an early morning game LA time I guess but for Eastern on, what an odd yeah they're on time. Eastern time so like what this shouldn't matter but yeah 114 to 100 Clippers over the Pacers uh last night I went to the Pacer game Wednesday against Minnesota Minnesota's really good I, that again that I realize a lot's happened since then um but the Pacers still I you know their mark is still really good I think that there was kind of the expectation that maybe we're getting ready to go into a period where water will find its level a little bit with them. You know, Carlisle's been really public about that. Like, hey, we're not sneaking up on anybody anymore, guys. Right. Like, we're going to see a different level of competition here out West. They've got the Lakers tonight. Do you think LeBron James circles this game at all on the schedule because of Benedict Matherin's comments back in the summer? No, I think LeBron James probably assumes that everybody in the league has comments about him because you know what I mean. But a rookie saying it publicly? Well, that's a good point. I mean, Jordan would have for sure. Not to compare everything to Jordan, but you know, we Michael Jordan made up stories for crying out loud about guys talking <laughs> about him, right? Uh, so that creates a bit of a jumble on the schedule tonight. So let's go over this for our airwaves. Um, the Pacers and Lakers tip at ten thirty tonight. Obviously, the Colts and the Steelers kick at, is it 8.15? I always get confused on the Monday night, Sunday night. I think it's, I always just think start times. Mark, you know? I think 8.15. So basically, if you want to listen to the Colts game all the way through. There's no way it's 8. It's got to be like 8.17. Don't they always put it like some (laughs) weird number? 97.1. That would be Hank FM, one of our sister stations. That is where you want to go. For the Colts game. So pregame coverage will begin here at 5.30. And then for kickoff, you want to flip over to our sister station. That would be Hank. Again, 97.1 FM. Because that's where you'll get the Colts game in entirety, right? Correct. You'll get the Colts game in entirety. Whereas here, the Pacers game will be joined. Or I guess, yeah, they'll they'll deviate away from the Colts game. um, What, somewhat early in the second half for the Pacers game. I believe that's the same case next Sunday night with Dallas and Indy. Sunday night football. I think the Colts have got Portland. 
next or the Pacers have Portland next Sunday. By the way, before we get into the Colts talk, one thing to clear up, Kevin, you would know better than I on this, but I think we're going to disagree. Several people pointing out to me, you would take Wisconsin from a coaching standpoint to circle back to that for Luke Fickle over Notre Dame because Notre Dame's admission requirement admission requirements make it too tough to recruit. Uh, I will again go back to I applaud Notre Dame and their fan base for building that brand and that image, but if you can play and you are good enough, Notre Dame will find a way to let you play football at Notre Dame. We'll maintain that. Not every play, not every football player at Notre Dame ever has a 3.5 GPA in high school. Sure, but it's, I would say the vast majority of them do not have higher GPAs than Alabama or insert other college football team. Uh, I, I don't – I mean – I, I don't want to disparage somebody not knowing their academic transcripts, but I mean, there are players that you look at and you're like, okay, I mean, I, fine young men, don't get me wrong, but I, Alabama to me, sure, I, I mean, but if somebody is good enough, I, do you really think that Notre Dame, if somebody was a five-star recruit that you were after, that Notre Dame's admission requirements would say they're not playing here? Um, yeah, unfortunately I do. I think it's a big reason why Brian Kelly left. Okay, I, I will respectfully disagree based on players that have played there. Or that were offered there and then ended up going elsewhere. I just don't understand. Like, for Fickle and Wisconsin, I'm not... He just... I feel like he could hold out for something bigger. Uh, Wisconsin's pretty big. It's probably right, but a top... like, Isn't there a ceiling at Wisconsin? Where's your recruiting pipeline? Well, the Big Ten's realigning, right? Which would make it even more difficult. Well, uh, no, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like to to, to rule that out. I mean, it, in the Big Ten West, if it, as it was, if the goal is to win a national title, is Wisconsin really the place for him? More so than Cincinnati. Sure, but I thought he could hold out for. I mean, pretty much anything in college football, let alone the NFL, if he wanted to pursue that. What do you think Wisconsin's paying him? I saw Matt Rule's making nine million a year. So I bet Wisconsin's paying him seven or eight. At Nebraska. And what was he making at Cincinnati? So what I'm saying is, if you can, I mean, if you could up yourself two to three million a year for the for the next three years before you jump to Ohio State, it's fascinating to me that Ryan Day would be like 55 and five at Ohio State and there's chatter, right? But at the same time, one game does not a career make, I realize, but Ryan Day has too much talent to lose by 22 points at home to anyone. Anyone. You're... So I, your What's thoughts that? on uh, on tonight? I feel like we haven't talked a lot of Colts here in the opener, so um, it out with a little. Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest question mark is the health for the Colts, right? And I don't mean necessarily like knees and ligaments. Like there's a there's illness going around, right? It's kind of a multi week thing now. It's probably seven or eight guys that have shown up on the injury report due to illness. Kylan Granson doubtful due to that. Zaire Franklin questionable. Franklin obviously is a huge name considering what he's done for you, linebacker this year. Uh, and no quitty pay. He was ruled out yesterday. I am very worried about Matt Ryan's health these next two weeks. Tonight and Sunday. These two defensive lines, Pittsburgh and Dallas, uh, they would frighten me if I were Matt Ryan. You were talking about how North Carolina, the Indiana-North Carolina game, like does it have like a, a lack of oomph? Does this game tonight feel like it's, it's kind of now all of a sudden strangely fl- – maybe it's just because we're coming off the holiday weekend, but like – there's like wind out of the sails yeah, there. I would agree. I think some of it has to do with a little bit of where it falls on like the holiday calendar. To your point, uh, but yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. 
I mean, if you look at the schedule, or if you look at you know where these two teams rank from a point differential sample, I mean, two of the worst teams in the league. And you, you have a section of each fan base, Jake, that's probably thinking more about the draft. I've seen a lot of things online. Hey, I've got extra, or I've got tickets for the Colts game, you know, $100 or best offer, you know, that kind of thing. I've seen a fair amount of that. But it'll still be fun, though, right? It's Monday Night Football. It's the Colts and the Steelers. It's, if nothing else, nostalgically speaking, it's a cool game. Well, as soon as Mark plays the intro today, and by the way, produce fight song, I feel like it's underrated. Um, when Mark had that intro and you hear the Monday Night Music, I don't know about you. He just kind of gave me a little jolt. Totally. Oh, yeah. All we need now is the voice of Frank Gifford and Dandy Don Meredith, if you're my age. Steelers off to their worst start since 03. That's to be expected a little bit, I guess, with what they did at quarterback. But still, uh, defensively, it is a very high-paid defense. It's not lived up to it. So we'll chat about that tonight. 8-15 to kick off Purdue. Or, uh, Purdue. Indiana- Indianapolis is a slight favorite. Two and a half. Really? <laughs> Over under 39. First one to 17 wins. <laughs> Again, if you're living in Boise, Idaho, are you are you tuning in? And no Manning cast, right? No Manning cast. I have a theory on that, too. Shout out to our state champions from the weekend. That would be Lutheran and Class A. The 2A game was Modern Day. My wife and my mother's alma mater, Shatard, got it done in 3A. East Central, 4A. Sound like the 5A game was a thriller. I, it was. Valpo and Whiteland, yep. and then Center Grove in 6A. How about Center Grove? Three in a row, right? And 16 now for Shatard. So congratulations. Congratulations to all of them. Congratulations to all of them. Uh, Colts and Steelers, we'll get into that coming up here in just a few minutes after the morning checkdown. It is, by the way, we'll call it a slow reentry Monday. Kevin and Quarry, 93.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Ball State Basketball now 4-3. and three. They were on the short end against San Jose State, 67-65. Over the weekend in college basketball, it was Valparaiso over James Madison, 81-79. Indiana State now 6-1. and one. They beat Trinity Christian, 105-68. Purdue-Fort Wayne, 65-point winners over Bluffton, 106-41. Quick math by me there. Thank you very much. Fairfield, the Stags over Evansville, 63-56. And the big one in college basketball was Purdue, 75-56 over Duke. The Boilers now 6-0. Phil Knight legacy champions and Zach Eady had 21-12 and for the black and gold. The MVP, Zach Eady of that tournament. It was quite the weekend for the Boilers. They win the bucket game in Bloomington 30-16, down 7-3 at half. They outscore uh, Indiana in the second half tw- was that, 23-to I think I could do the math here. 27 to 9. And they are going to the Big Ten Championship game. The winners of the Big Ten West to take on Michigan this Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. Here was Jeff Brom after the Big Ten clinching victory. You know, you put in a lot of hard work, your players do, your coaches do for dreaming about this opportunity. And uh Obviously, a lot of things had to go our way, uh, and we understand that. But our guys just competed hard all year long. Uh, we tried to learn from our mistakes. Uh, they battle and play. Every game's not perfect. Every game goes back and forth. But uh, we found a way to do enough to win. So couldn't be proud of our team. Uh, it's a huge accomplishment. It really means a lot. It just shows you that you know anybody can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. 
We're going to have Bob Kravitz on a little bit later. He was in that press conference, um, chatted with Jeff Brom about Aiden O'Connell, and it was announced yesterday, I believe yesterday afternoon, that Aiden O'Connell's older brother, Sean, passed away, I think in the last few days, last week or so. I believe it was Wednesday, and that was insinuated in the post-game press conference because Brom was asked about Aiden O'Connell's emotions. And Brom, Brom got very said, emotional. Yeah, and said... Hey, he's going through some personal stuff, and you know we'll kind of let him decide when it's t- to divulge more. And that kind of tells you right there that there was something going on, right? Yeah. And I had uh, not heard anything on that front. I had heard about it by uh, early hours of Sunday morning, so like overnight Saturday night into Sunday morning, I uh, had heard about it. But certainly, best to Aiden O'Connell. Purdue now on their way to Lucas Oil Stadium to take on Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Last night, NBA, the Pacers on the short end, 114-100. The Clippers defeat them in the association. Uh, Pacers were led by Tyrese Halliburton, who had 15 points and 11 assists. They are out west again. Uh, the trip continues. I'm looking here to see who they have next. Lakers uh, tonight. Lakers tonight. And then at Sacramento to take on LeBron the playing well. playing Anthony Davis questionable for tonight. That is a 10.30 tip out. Uh, Colts, Steelers tonight. Again, no quitty pay for the Colts. Doubtful Kylan Granson, Zaire Franklin questionable. Um, that bug the Colts have been dealing with, and frankly, I feel like everyone is dealing with right now. Um, it's about a two-week thing for the Colts. If you look at Pittsburgh, their defensive line, certainly their strength, uh, they have struggled this season. They are off to their worst start since 2003. So we'll chat more about that one tonight. Uh, if the Colts want any chances um, of making any sort of December run or make the month of December interesting from a playoff standpoint, tonight would fall in the must category. Uh, what was your favorite thing that you ate on Thanksgiving? No, uh, it wasn't turkey. Team stuff. The, the tur- My dad did a terrific job with, with the turkey. I want to give him some credit. So I would say on the turkey scale, uh, it was one of the better ones. I, I'm always team stuffing. Mark? Uh, my aunt's... Uh, Broccoli and rice, broccoli and cheese rice. Do you have a kipping. head cold? You a sound, little bit, yeah. Sound stopped up. Does it sound like, yeah? It's only been like five weeks that I've had this thing. <laughs> that sounds really good. Broccoli, cheese, rice. Oh my god! Yeah, she makes like it's a hit every year. It, she makes it at Thanksgiving and Christmas. She brings like three trays of it. It's outstanding. I could bear. We have a tight garage though. I could barely fit into my car this morning with everything that I've eaten. <laughs> Here in the past five days. Lots of spirits as well. I'm like drilling the uh, side mirror. I'm like, gosh, Kevin, you really got to watch yourself here. (laughs) Now it's not the the time to take into like calorie intake or whatever. Just let it go. I I feel like I'm building up a nice base for hibernation time. Do people now, like, is this the time of year? You know, we can't speak for most people like with with real jobs, but people with real jobs, is is the next month like coast time? Is it like get everything done to be able to take off the last week of the year time and people are like really burning the, the midnight oil? Or is it is the entire time between Thanksgiving and Christmas just kind of like your senior year, second semester oh. of high school where it's just kind of come and go as you please? My dad's like, I work this week and then I think I'm off the rest of the year. I'm like, what? <laughs> Dad, what? Yeah, as long as you're fiscal or you know, it's not the end of the quarter or anything like that, you could probably coast into the holidays. Must be I, nice. Anything stand out to you guys week 12? Uh, there were some fun things that took place in the NFL, actually, um, including, as you had mentioned, Kevin, uh, one guy that got so excited by it, he just decided to jump into the fray for his team, and he wasn't even playing in the game. 
We'll explain that and take a further look uh, around the league and focus in on Colts Steelers tonight here. Monday edition, Kevin and Quir- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jake, week 12 in the NFL. First time in the history of the league that you had two games decided by winning two-point conversions in the final minutes of regulation. You had the Jags over the Ravens. Your guy, Trevor Lawrence, Jake, hell of a drive there at the end. Big-time throw to Zay Jones. They beat the Ravens. And then Brandon Staley, who's pretty much been known for this, uber-aggressive, Justin Herbert to Gerald Everett. They beat the Cardinals on a two-point conversion. Are the Cardinals the biggest disappointment so far of the year, or would that be the Packers? Ooh. Packers suck! Wouldn't it be the Rams, defending Super oh, Bowl yeah. champions? Oh, yeah. There you go. They the Rams, 3-8, yeah. that's a good point, yeah. And how about that Raiders game? We talked about it before the break. The Seahawks had a guy, Daryl Taylor. It was, it was a Condre Diggs, I think, intercepts a ball. Daryl Taylor is on the sideline. He thinks that the play is over. He just runs on the field to celebrate as the return is happening and then realizes he's kind of in like the you know, chaotic nature of an interception return, so he starts blocking people. <laughs> Twelve guys on the field for Seattle. The refs don't catch it. And they still couldn't return it, right? <laughs> no, no. He, it was one of those awkward things where I think he knew he shouldn't be out there right. at one point, so he wasn't really blocking. Just trying to blend in at that point? Too effectively, but Josh Jacobs with the walk-off and that one. I saw somebody say he should have, since it was in Seattle and he's with the Raiders, he should have just run into the tunnel, right? Was It It was in Seattle, wasn't it? was. Give a Bo Jackson tribute and run into the tunnel. How about the finishes um, the Raiders have had the last three weeks? Yeah. Colts-Raiders yeah. game, then Devonta Adams, touchdown in overtime last week, Josh Jacobs, I mean, to your point, yarder. to your point, Kev, I, I know that you had picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and we can laugh at that if we want. No, but should, at four and seven, they don't feel four and seven, right? I, I mean, I know people think they're terrible, but they—they they it's not have, like they get blown out of games. They have three dudes that would be anybody's top two or three player Correct. on any team, and Max Crosby and Devonta Adams and Josh Jacobs. It wasn't, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my brother-in-law about this. Titans Bengals on was the one o'clock game here locally, and for those again still in the Colts playoff crowd. I actually thought that the Colts should be cheering for Tennessee to win that game. Do the Colts have a more realistic chance? And again, the Colts have got to go on a crazy run here to end the year. But do you think it's more realistic the Colts make the playoffs via the wild card or the division? This year? Sure. If we're going uber glass half full here with six games to go. Guessing you're drinking from like... Can you Can you repeat that? Yes. For the crowd out there that still believes that the Colts can get to eight or nine wins. Okay. Better chance wild card or division? Someone's still thinking it's blackout Wednesday. If you're thinking the Colts have a chance at the playoffs, you're drinking a little too much. Well, at the division, they have no chance, right? I mean, I guess mathematically they do, right? Tennessee's remaining schedule. They got Philly, right, this week? 
Tennessee's remaining schedule, they have, let's see here, they're at Philly, so that's tough. They host Jacksonville. They're at the or they're at the Chargers. So let's let's give the Chargers some love. They host the Texans. There's two. They host the Cowboys. That's a solid Thursday night game. And they are at Jacksonville. So let's say they split with Jacksonville. The bottom falls out and everything else, but they beat Houston twice. So there's three wins right there. So that puts them at 10. Yeah, if they get to 10, then there's no way. Yeah, I mean, and I Tennessee in the regular season. Now, I'm not speaking for the postseason, but in the regular season, Tennessee strikes me as a team under Mike Vrabel, Kevin, that takes care of what they need to take care of when they need to take care of it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Can't speak for the postseason, but... Yeah, tonight, I mean, Colts and Steelers, again, it's pretty much the fatal blow for whoever loses um, this one. I just, I look at T.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward and Alex Highsmith, and if the Colts do not have success on the early downs tonight, boy, that O-line trying to hold up against this D-line. And then next week, did you, I mean, you I'm sure you watched Dallas on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Michael Parsons and that crew yeah, against this offensive line. These next two weeks, boy, I, I just... Holding up in pass protection with Matt Ryan at quarterback, very what, worrisome. If what I you will thing. see tonight, what Colts fans will see tonight is a glimpse into the future. And when I say a glimpse into the future, and I realize it's a different year, but a year ago, Pittsburgh was in a situation where they had a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who was aging and on the verge of retirement. And everyone knew he was on the verge of retirement. And he'd been on the verge of retirement and aging and shelved and injured and banged up for like three straight seasons. But Pittsburgh never really addressed finding the heir apparent. So they went out and they signed Mitchell Trubisky thinking maybe that was a guy to hold them over for a year but they drafted the guy that many thought was the best quarterback prospect in last year's draft in Kenny Pickett, who I know he has small hand size, but had a nice career at Pitt, was a local hero, and you know was thought by many to be there – were, there were glaring things about him that were drawbacks, but it was thought that he had the moxie that he could be an NFL quarterback, and he may well be. And Pittsburgh has handed over the reins to him now, And for a franchise that was used to and accustomed to great quarterback play, they now find themselves in the situation of testing out a guy, trying to figure out whether or not it's just rookie lumps or he just simply can't play. Is he the guy that you want to hand the keys over to? How long do you give that before you decide that you got to go in another direction? There are so many questions that go into the quarterback position. The Indianapolis Colts, have a quarterback in Matt Ryan that is representative of a position in terms of three guys, Ryan, Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers. In Wentz's case, a little bit of an anomaly, but with Rivers in particular, but since the the retirement of Andrew Luck, it has been, we know that eventually we're going to have to get a young player to address the quarterback position, but they didn't really do so and haven't done so now until all of a sudden it's there in front of them. And next year, theoretically, there's going to be a young quarterback, one would assume or hope, for the Colts, whether it be Sam Ellinger or elsewhere. But they are going to be seeing and trying out their Kenny Pickett. 
And what you're going to see tonight, Kevin, is the the question mark at quarterback. I mean, Pickett may have a great game tonight, and you go, see? Or, more likely, Pittsburgh is going to struggle to score points on the big stage, and they're going to continue to ask themselves if this is the guy. Yeah, that's all the feel of kind of the first one to 17 wins tonight. How about New Orleans getting shut out yesterday? How often do NFL teams get shut out, by the way? God, 49ers can continue to play. Pretty good ball. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we're kind of entering this interesting evaluation period for Jeff Saturday of, you look at this eight-game slate that he took over, it probably is well served for him that he gets this little Thanksgiving extra day here after two games. He's going to get a bye week coming up in a couple weeks. It's not like he's going to have eight straight weeks of a grind of a team that's done with their playoff hopes. Again, they're clinging, but they've got these little breaks in here of the Thanksgiving break, the bye week. And I bring that up to say, you know, when you think about Jeff Saturday at the end of the year, does he look back on this two-month hiatus and think, you know what? That wasn't too bad. That wasn't too much of a grind. And do these breaks kind of help his mental mindset a little bit and say, yeah, I feel like I can do that full-time. Kevin, the challenge for the Colts, you know, we're, we're turning a page a little bit here, but the challenge for the Colts if Jeff Saturday wants to do this full-time or shows an acumen that the Colts believe means that he is the guy for them full-time, the challenge is the manner and the means in which they acquired Jeff Saturday and brought him in. You know, people close to Ursay not even knowing that Frank Reich had been fired and then all of a sudden Jeff Saturday comes in and, you know, we've talked – uh, a lot on this program about the fact that like I'm cool with Jeff Saturday getting that opportunity. I love the guy. I am not one that believes that you got to go out and get a retread every time. But there was so much criticism of the Jeff Saturday hire from inside the football fraternity and notably from a Rooney Rule standpoint, even though that does not apply to the interim tag, that if you now give him the full-time hire, even though they will go through the proper protocol and – there is going to be a backlash whether or not the Colts care about it is a different talk show but there's going to be a backlash of well see this had stink written all over it from day one and they didn't go through the proper protocols of vetting and doing everything possible to find the right football guy for the job some interesting Jim Irsay comments with Stephen Holder we can get to a little bit later um maybe got lost in the shuffle I think it was like Thanksgiving when Stephen posted this but Basically saying that Frank Reich approached Jim Irsay for a contract extension when Irsay gave him that a couple years ago and that his family's connection with Reich was the reason why he felt like the extension was worth giving him. Seems like a very kind of like odd reason as opposed to results (laughs) mandating when you hand out those extensions or not. Um, and then Ursay, which I think he's done, you know, publicly a lot. Like he is very, very defensive about the Jeff Saturday stance and the Jeff Saturday position and how it's viewed. Right. And that lends me to think Jake, he really, really, really wants this to work out. And he's going to have some rose colored glasses and looking at this situation at the end of the year. I think it also might illuminate one other possibility regarding Jim Ursay. 
which we can get to in the 8 o'clock hour. And then Bob Kravitz is going to join us at 9. Right, Mark? And we'll chat a little... Pur- that is correct, We'll sir. chat a little Purdue in the 8 o'clock hour. What a weekend for the Boilers. They win the bucket game. They are inside of Lucas Oil Stadium this Saturday night against the Michigan Wolverines. And from a basketball program standpoint, find me a team playing better than them in college basketball. Quite the weekend out in Portland for the Boilers. We'll do all that coming up, 8 o'clock hour. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Kind of fitting for how this hour is going to lay out, I guess, because we will talk Monday Night Football, Colts and Steelers. Uh, that certainly, for the time being, was going to be topic A and then Purdue through their own hat into the ring and said, you know what? Boiler up with one of the most impressive athletic weekends for a university we've seen in this state in quite some time with Purdue not only winning the bucket and putting themselves now into the Big Ten championship game under tragic circumstances from a personal standpoint and a very inspiring story of Aiden O'Connell courageously playing after the loss of his brother and vaulting Purdue into a matchup now with Michigan trying to spoil Michigan's plans to get into the college football playoff, although Michigan might have already cemented that with their impressive win over Ohio State. Then on the basketball side of thing, Matt Painter's uh, team winning uh, the Phil Knight, what is it, Phil Knight Challenge, Phil Knight Tournament, whatever you want to call it out in Portland, but defeating soundly West Virginia, Duke, Gonzaga, not in that order, but uh, the Boilermakers playing right now from a basketball standpoint as if it's like late February, early March and looking solid um, like one of the best teams in the country, clearly. And we'll see where they slot in terms of rankings and whatnot. Uh, but back to it, Kevin, here on a Monday morning getting set for the Colts and the Steelers tonight. And and we had talked about this earlier, and I wanted to get back into it because we kind of glossed over it. That's my fault. No Manning cast tonight. I realize that this isn't necessarily breaking down the game, but I do believe people have asked a lot why Manning cast they have not done a Colts game. And somebody sent us a text that said, I think it's because, this is what the the listener was saying to us, I think it's because Peyton Manning feels still kind of jilted about the Colts cutting him. And while he will do the mandatory and obligatory things for the franchise, auxiliary stuff, he still, you can you notice when he does the Manning cast, there's a Broncos helmet behind him. He, he, you know, he still lives in Denver. You know, we've gone over all of that in terms of the things that were lost by the way the Colts and Manning relationship ended from a playing standpoint. Uh, I don't think much else needs to be said about that. I, I do think this. So let me throw this at you, Kevin, and then you you tell me your opinion of my opinion. Manning is a guy that is very image conscious, more so than probably any athlete I've ever covered. The Colts PR staff had a notebook for him early in his years where with the names and and headshots of the different media people in town, so he knew who was who. He was very aware of what was said about him. He was very in control at all times of the narrative about him. And that's kudos to him. That's part of how the empire of Peyton Manning has been built. But I do think that Peyton Manning knows that Indianapolis is the one place where he is adored by the fans and where any 
negativity in terms of the relationship between he and the franchise is seen by the fans as being no fault of his. It wasn't his fault he was hurt. It wasn't his fault Andrew Luck was waiting in the wings. It wasn't his fault that Jim Mersey decided to move forward and and move on from Peyton Manning and release him. And I think that Manning is very, for lack of a better word, I'll say concerned, aware, probably a better word. I think Manning is very aware of where he ranks in the city of Indianapolis and the pedestal on which he is placed in the city of Indianapolis, and he does not want to in any way, shape, or form, while he might still have ill will about the way things went down here, he doesn't want to put himself in a position to say or do anything that publicly airs that ill will in fear of diminishing the luster and the shine that is placed on him by the fan base of Indianapolis. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I'd also add, I don't think he wanted to say anything publicly in a negative light towards Frank Reich, a man that he vouched his opinion for right. to be the head coach here. Uh, obviously, that's no longer, but when the Manning cast was originally announced at the start of the year, Frank Reich is the head coach, and Peyton and Eli decided not to do tonight's game, Colts-Steelers, and they will not do the Colts-Chargers game in December. I think last year it was Colts-Ravens, the Monday nighter that they did not do either. Um, so yeah, it does not shock me at all um, that Peyton has elected to choose not to do that. Um, again, tonight it's 8-15. Just to reiterate, we've got Colts and Pacers tonight. There will be some overlap. So um, from a listening audience standpoint, you can listen to the entire Colts game over on our sister station. That's 97.1. Hank FM. So pregame coverage will begin here. John will get you started at 5.30. And then our sister station, 97.1 FM, will have the entire game. The Pacers game will pick up here on the fan. Um, That's a 10.30 tip from L.A. with the Lakers. So a little bit of overlap. It'll happen again on Sunday night. Colts are in Dallas. The Pacers have got the Trailblazers. So just a little FYI from a listening standpoint here tonight and Sunday. Something to monitor up until kickoff. Again, the Colts have been dealing with some illness inside of their building. Uh, Kylan Granson, doubtful for tonight due to that, and Zaire Franklin is questionable. Zaire Franklin has turned into a very important player for this team. and Very. Uh, that It seems to be like a two- to three-day sort of thing each time with these illnesses. Paris Campbell missed earlier in the week. DeForest Buckner missed some time earlier in the week. They're good to go now. But this is something we've seen now for a couple of weeks with the Colts. Zaire Franklin, Kevin, is a player who kind of made his name and his mark, obviously, as a special teams captain and became a fan and probably to somewhat franchise favorite by being a guy that was seemingly always ready to go no matter where you put him, right? Like a plug-and-play guy of always answered the bell, up for the challenge, mature player, um, and has played well with Shaquille Leonard being out. Obviously, Bobby Okereke there as well, but kind of that linebacker by committee, if you will, in in where he has played, been able to make plays. Do you think that there is discussion or thought, or, or I don't even know how to word this, but is he one of those guys that this, I hate to say is the ceiling for him because that sounds like a disrespect, 
But is Zaire Franklin one of those players, and maybe we see it more in basketball, that is an absolutely outstanding situational player, but then all of a sudden, when you put them in position to have them be the situation and have them be the guy that is in that position and elevating them, then you say, you know what, maybe he was better off being a guy that we plugged in different areas to help us out as opposed to being a guy that we can hone in on as, boom, that's our long-term answer at the position. Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, it does. And, and before I get to that, just one last note on the Manning front. Kirk was asking, has Peyton done Broncos games? Uh, yeah, they did the Russell Wilson return game to Seattle to start off this season um, so, yes, he has done a Broncos game, and I believe they've done at least two, if not more, Giants games uh, with Eli, of course. Uh, you know, as far as Franklin, Jake, you know, I've been really, really impressed by a new defensive coordinator coming in here, and obviously the Shaquille Leonard injury situation plays into this, but they've looked at Franklin and thought, that's a guy that we want to extend, not just for special teams duty. Like when they handed out that contract to him at the start of the year, that was a contract that said to me, they think he can play defensive snaps for them at a pretty consistent high level. And I think he's done that. Um, And we talked about it again, when Leonard had that back surgery earlier this month, I mean, a free agent in Bobby Okereke, a free agent in EJ speed, Franklin's under contract for a couple more years. It's out of his control, Jake, but there's no worse contract on this football team right now than Shaquille Leonard's. And how you look at that and how you handle that, very interested to see moving forward. Yeah. And again, a lot of this stems from what's going to happen at the top and the trickle-down effect to that. And by that, I mean, is Chris Ballard here? Is Jeff Saturday here? Is Gus Bradley here? I mean, that that's where you kind of start with all the dominoes that are going to happen this offseason because I was talking with someone last night and they were saying, you know, I'm hearing that DeForest Buckner, you know, he might not be around, blah, 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 and 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 this and that. Like, And I think a lot of people, Jake, if they heard that, they just kind of laugh. Like, DeForest Buckner? What do you mean? I mean, he's a great player for the Colts. Why would the Colts want to move him? As soon as you make a move at GM and or head coach, all those contracts that you see and the length of them, you might as well throw all of them out the window. They don't mean anything. Right. Because a new GM, a new coach is going to come in here and say, where can we cut fat? Where do guys maybe not mean as much contractually as they meant to the previous regime? And inevitably, I think there's an ego standpoint of you want to come into that building and you want to make your imprint very early on. I think you see that with the Bears right now. They've done that around the trade deadline, even in the offseason with Khalil Mack. And I think if and when that happens with the Colts, there will be names on this roster that might not be here in 2023 that right now you'd be like, what? Those guys have got to be here moving forward. The In the last month, I've talked to a couple of people, Kevin, that are pretty close within the organization that have said and i by no means was this said in a like throwing their arms up angry kind of way but more in a cautionary tale kind of way jim mercy has made it very clear and to his credit has worked very hard to not become his father 
And for those that are unfamiliar, I know we've talked about it a lot, but his father, and again, I was just a kid when the Colts moved here, so it's disingenuous for me to say, like some of the veterans in the area, that, I, that I'm well aware of how it was, but you, you, know, you obviously can talk to enough people. Um, there was a lot of instability and uncertainty and unpredictability about the Colts front office when Bob Ursay was the owner of the team because of a lot of things that plagued Bob Ursay. Some self-induced, some maybe not. And I think Jim Mercer, to his credit, has worked very hard to avoid being that. But I've had people tell me in the last month, people pretty close to it, that this is the closest they've seen Ursay in towing that line of that unpredictability and instability in running the franchise. And that's not to say he's a bad owner. I don't think he is. It's not to say he's a bad person. I definitely don't think he is. But I do think that at times, Ursay is starting to overstep in supplanting his own, and he could do so. He's the owner. I totally get that. Totally get it. But I think that there are people around him that are like, wait a minute, like, where are we here? Because to your point, Kevin, here we are on a Monday night football game against a proud franchise in the Pittsburgh Steelers that are obviously finding their own way this year. But, the you know... We're coming off of Thanksgiving, heading in towards the month of December. This is not the time of year where a radio show in your home market should be talking about question marks of your coach, your general manager, and your quarter, your quarterback and your linebacker. There just seems to be a swirling like hornet's nest of uncertainty at virtually every area of the franchise. Yeah, at those pillar spots. Correct. Of your, I mean, you guys, and I totally understand why you did it. I mean, you guys like snickered and laughed when I brought up the playoffs earlier. And I fully understand why you why you did that because that's the reality of a team that's four six and one right now. But to your point, it's late November, and those seem like laughable to even discuss. And it's not like Tennessee's ten and one in the division. You know, it's not like they've run away with it. Or the wild card is you know a bunch of eight and three teams. Um, but that's the reality of where you are at right now. Um, the Colts will rock their 1956 throwbacks tonight. I feel like the throwbacks don't look much different than the normal well, jerseys. That's the thing, right? They're, I mean, that's, that's kind of the beauty of the tradition of the Colts, I guess, right? Now, the cheerleaders will be rocking some throwbacks. Those do look a lot different. So for those really? wanting to take a look down on the sidelines tonight, the cheerleader cheerleaders, uh, first ever NFL cheer team, the, or the Baltimore Colts. They had a band too, right? They do one of those thirty for thirties or E sixties yeah, on the band, band plays on or something like that. By I, the way, I love Purdue's jerseys yesterday. Oh, they're great. The Purdue throwback, like they're great. I don't know if I like the black or the gold better. I think the black looks pretty cool. I think the Colts should go with their nineteen eighty. Is it eighty four or eighty five when they wore the gray pants with the horseshoe on the hip with the number in it? Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, they were terrible back then. Terrible. But the uniforms look good. I like the ones they wore on Thanksgiving in Detroit that one year. Well, that's the fifties one, isn't it? With the is, the horseshoe is that on the, the back. Same one? I think. Yeah, it's double horseshoe on the helmet tonight. I think you'll add a stripe to the jersey, um, which I don't know if that indicates that guy can't run with the football. Isn't isn't that what they do that, or do they put those? That's on what the, they did at the YMCA. Or do they put striper? Those on the, uh, I was a striper, baby. I can't run the football. On the did helmet. you see the Sean Taylor Washington Commanders? It, 
I guess we could say Redskins because he he was it was the Redskins when he played there. But Sean Taylor, who is a beloved figure within that franchise, who was tragically killed, and yesterday was the mark of the date in which I believe he passed. So they unveiled. Uh, can we say a statue to him? Uh, wh- no, how would you no, describe I, it? I'd call that a mannequin. Uh, yeah, something Kevin Bowen would have tried to make in fourth grade. Well, it, it was interesting because for those that are unfamiliar, Washington put out this video of all of these people. It looked like it was in the the commander's like gift shop. It must have been somewhere in the stadium. But they had underneath, you know, an unveiling of like the memorial. I think they called it the Sean Taylor Memorial. So you're kind of anticipating that it's going to be this huge statue and they unveil it and it literally looked like a wired mannequin with no face, no uh, just the pants, the jersey. He was known not for wearing gloves, apparently, but for taping his hands. A lot of people mocked the fact that the cleats were Adidas soccer cleats, but I guess Sean Taylor did play football in soccer cleats. That was like kind of his thing. But there was not other than his jersey number. There was nothing to indicate it's Sean Taylor. It looked like it was something that like you'd see at Dick's Sporting Goods. Or yeah, something. correct. That's exactly right. And when they unveiled it, but that's a slap in the face to the Dick's Sporting Goods mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they at least have like faces, right? When they unveiled it, you could t- like the crowd like all cheered and acted, but you could tell deep down they're like. Whoa. What is this? Every time I think of Sean Taylor, I think of the hit he had in the Pro Bowl on that punter. Correct. <laughs> God, that is. I'm watching it right now. I mean, Sean Taylor That's, was a. He was a. He was basically a six foot Bob Sanders, right? It's a good way of saying it. Just a, an absolute like. Hard hitting, only one speed. I mean, he would have been. Can you imagine if he had played here? How popular he would be. I know we talked about this a little bit in the opener, Jake, but I think it's worth bringing up again. When you look at what Matt Painter has done here early in the season for Purdue, it has the look of another team that's going to have a shot in the tournament. And I think if you are a top four seed, you've got a shot. You like That's how I think the NCAA tournament largely rolls. Of If you can annually create opportunities for your program you're going to eventually get there. And obviously for Purdue, that is get to the Final Four. Um, and it's damn impressive to think they lose Jaden Ivey, Trayvon Williams, Stefanovic as well, and yet around Zach Eady. Not a, Eady, to me, has improved. I mean, he That's the, the big thing, The, the right? fact that he can play close to 30 minutes and still be as effective as he can is extremely impressive. And then just the pieces around Eady, like Matt Painter, Puzzle, Master, find the pieces, realize that, okay, um, we need four shooters around him. We need some highly skilled passers, guys willing to make the extra pass. Because so many times, big men get neglected because the guards or the wings don't want to, either don't feel like, either they don't want to throw the ball into them, or they don't feel like they can. Ah, no, that angle isn't great. Or, man, I don't want to force it. I don't trust that guy's hands. And I feel like Purdue has got four guys almost seemingly always on the court that are very willing feeders of Edie, and then he does a tremendous job of operating really well when he's in there. And if you look at this Purdue schedule in December, I get that it's a full month. I don't see a single loss on it. I made this point earlier, Kevin, and I agree with all of that. 
But if you look at Purdue's roster, you know, Caleb First is a guy. I mean, here, here you have a guy that was a Mr. Basketball, big-time recruit, comes to Purdue, and he is deferring on the floor towards making an extra pass. Do you know how, how oftentimes we see guys that are big-time players, he's wearing number one on his jersey that's like, no, I'm the guy. I'm taking this shot. And he's facilitating for, say, a Zach Eady or kicking out to a Fletcher lawyer who's a freshman for an open shot. Yeah, you kind of forget Lawyer and Braden Smith are freshmen. Right. Trey Kaufman-Wren is a guy that came to Purdue, big-time heralded recruit, red-shirted. They were patient with him. He was patient. Mason Gillis, a guy that they've been patient on. They saw something in him. They've worked, you know, they, he's had injury. But all of those guys, maybe some of the players at Purdue, Braden Smith, were not thought of as like five-star hat dance recruits, but they were the best recruit for Purdue and what Purdue wanted to do. And that's what you have to love about this particular roster is it is one that absolutely the sum is more important than the parts. And Purdue does as good a job with that as anybody. Jaden Ivey was an unbelievable talent, is an unbelievable talent, and was a wonderful player for Purdue. And you would take a Jaden Ivey eight days a week. But I think there were times last year with Jaden Ivey, as talented as they were, Kevin, that because he was so dynamic and because at any time Jaden Ivey could catch lightning in a bottle and take over a game, I think there were times when the ball was in Jaden Ivey's hands that the other players subconsciously were stopping and waiting to see what Jaden Ivey was going to sure. do. Yeah. Whereas now, the ball is in the hands of a guy like Braden Smith, who instead of it working that way, Braden Smith is waiting with the ball in his hands to see what everyone else is going to do. And he's then facilitating where it needs to go to put them in the best position to score the basket. Zach Eady being an integral part of that and Zach Eady's improvement in his offensive versatility is probably as important to this puzzle as anything. But right now, I just give a ton of credit to Matt Painter, a ton of it. I'm wearing a Purdue hat today. I, I got up and I'm like, I'm going to put on my Purdue hat because not only is Aiden O'Connell's weekend inspiring, but more so, not more so, but 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 equally so from the basketball standpoint, I just love the fact that Matt Painter is one that has not listened to the noise of the the world of college basketball and getting caught up in the arms race of basketball, but rather saying, I'm going to do it the way that I want to build this program for the things that are best for Purdue basketball. I'm not worried about shoe deals and NILs and, and AAU tournaments. I, I mean, sure, he, you got to go through those things. Don't get me wrong. But in the end, there are more players starting and giving significant minutes for Purdue that were probably overlooked elsewhere or not big names when they signed than any other school probably in the top 15 in the rankings. And Purdue right now is justified in that ranking because they have as impressive a resume very early in the basketball season as anybody in college basketball. Yeah, and I think, you know, staying away from the transfer portal, Jake, it can keep you out, and they haven't totally stayed away from it, but... They haven't certainly used it to the degree that others have. It probably helps you out culturally because you stay away from a little bit of kind of the hired gun mindset, which I think is how some programs have operated with the portal of, you know, we'll do anything at all costs just to seemingly 
flip over the roster year in and year out and just be so reliant on the portal to provide that for you. Whereas Purdue, I think, has relied on a little bit more, again, kind of program culture stability. And even though the faces have changed, that stays the same year in and year out. And if you look at them, they are an incredibly young roster. Very young roster. When you look at the guys that are getting consistent minutes for them, um, I know he, he didn't score a ton out in Portland, but Ethan Morton was really good for them in the starting lineup. Um, helping facilitate things. I mean, obviously, Braden Smith is kind of the quarterback of it all. Uh, but you know, when you have the ball movement like you do, you got to have others to facilitate. Morton was big for them, and uh, Caleb first against those Duke big guys. Outstanding with that. All right, uh, we'll continue to talk a little Boilers. Bob Kravitz, who is at the bucket game on Saturday, he's going to join us in the nine o'clock hour. Uh, we'll continue to look ahead to tonight. Colts and Steelers over at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Colts on Monday Night Football for the first time at home since 2015. Let's hit a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, we'll begin with the association last night. Clippers over the Pacers, 114-100. Pacers now taking on the Los Angeles Lakers, part of that big West Coast swing, and then off to Sacramento. But last night, led by Jalen Smith. Remember when we had like the pilgrimage? Didn't you do a GoFundMe to raise enough money yes. to keep Jalen mm-hmm. Smith here? Yeah, he's like my second. If I had like children, Benedict would be first. Non-Rosie Max division, Benedict Mather would be first, but Jalen Smith would maybe be second. Pick your favorite, Kev. Well... <laughs> Career high. Trying to be open here. 23 for Stick Smith. Tyrese Halliburton, 15 and 11 for the Pacers. Uh, Tonight's the Lakers. LeBron James going to play in that one. I think so. Anthony Davis, questionable. That is a 10-30 tip. Benedict Matherin quotes about LeBron this offseason. Be interesting to see if those two have a one-on-one battle or two. Uh, College football from the weekend. Jake, your biggest shock, probably Michigan. Um, Boy, the manner in which they did that. You know, I... With the college football playoff rankings, I mean, one would assume it's going to be obviously, you know, undefeated Georgia, undefeated TCU, undefeated Michigan. Those are certains. <clears throat> then the fourth spot, one would assume, is USC because of the way that they they, they got Utah Friday night in the Pac-12 title. And so that this raises my question. An interesting point was raised I saw on social media, and that is. Should a conference, since since you have four teams that are theoretically now cemented in the top four heading into conference championship weekend, and then you have a couple of others that are peering in through the door, Ohio State, Alabama notably, Ohio State with one loss, Alabama with two losses, but should those teams be able to move in front of a team that, unlike those two, was able to get to their conference championship? Yeah, the whole 13th game debate. You know, USC, Michigan, TCU, they've got to play a 13th game. Ohio State, Alabama can sit at home, and they don't. And, you know, it, I think it can only negatively impact, obviously, the top four teams. And, you know, how much does a win even positively impact you? You know, okay, maybe you move up. I, I, I don't even know if any of those teams would move up. I don't think USC jumps TCU if they beat Utah to right. the 2-3 the game versus the 1-4. But to this point, it's probably the weakest championship slate of games we've had, Jake, in terms of impact. I mean, the SEC title game, Georgia-LSU, LSU's got three losses. Yeah, the ACC title game is irrelevant between Clemson yeah. and North Carolina. And I think there are many that think even if Michigan loses to Purdue, they'd still get in. 
with what they did to Ohio State. That's the thing with Ohio State. I'm sorry. Ohio State has too much talent to lose by 22 to anybody. Anybody. And I'm not saying Michigan doesn't have talent. Especially but, at home. But come on, man. A home loss blown off the field. They weren't even in the game in the fourth quarter. 0 Oh, I, I, I like that. That was well done. That was good. Was like that off that? the top of your head? Did you think about that? One? That's always off the top of my head. Oh, come on. Do you, do you see the show prep that I do? I mean, look at that. Two and a half points. Yeah, I favorite. saw the napkin you brought in. <laughs> Tonight, Colts and Steelers, and over under around 39. So, not expecting a high scoring one. Uh, what is on Jeff Saturday's mind with Pittsburgh, that vaunted defensive line? I think the majority of NFL games are won and lost in the trenches. And uh, they have one of the best front four in the NFL, if not the best. And you go, that goes all the way across. Everybody talks about their ends, but um, these guys can flat out play. So we know and I respect the heck out of the way those guys play. They're smart. They're physical. Um, and and they, they, they're not afraid to let the next guy make the play. You know, I've made mention of that all week, right? They're a very unselfish group. So uh, if, they, if it's their job to set up, whether it's the pass rush or their job to set up some kind of twist for the run game these guys are all about it i think better chance tj watt scores a touchdown tonight or michael Pittman. <laughs> um here's a better one for you that's literally how i view better chance better chance for pittsburgh tonight they get a touchdown from tj watt or a touchdown pass from kenny pickett <laughs> seriously uh, i get right? tj watt has only played a few games this season he looked healthy last week though so Usually lines up opposite Braden Smith, but Alex Highsmith on the other side, opposite Bernard Ryman. I think he has eight or nine sacks on the season. So that will be the challenge tonight. Plus 900 on the Steelers' defense to score a touchdown. Interested in that kind of thing. How did Mark know that so quickly? 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Just saying. Uh, IHSA state champions from the weekend, Center Grove in 6A, 5A. Congratulations to Eric Moore, three in a row. Valpo in a thriller. They beat Whiteland. Hell of a season for the Warriors down there in 5A. 4A East Central, 3A Chittard, 2A Evansville Modern Day. And in the Class 1A game, I think it was Lutheran over Adams Central. Did I read that that's the 16th title for Chittard? I think that's right. Factory. How many does Cathedral have? It's a good question. I, I'd guess right around 10. I mean, 16's a lot. Oh, it's a ton. Absolutely. Yeah, they played uh, Lawrenceburg. I like Lawrenceburg's orange jerseys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look like some good crowds over there at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, so, yeah, the class, six class champions there. Usually the Colts will play Sunday afternoon game on this Thanksgiving weekend, but it's Monday night football. Tonight we'll chat more about that. Bob Kravitz joins us at the top of the hour. Kevin Aquari here on a Monday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So many storylines from this weekend. Big coaching news in college football with Matt Rule to Nebraska, Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. How about David Shaw resigning at Stanford? They had a pretty lackluster year, right? You talk about like three guys that I feel like in the last handful of years, their names have been most popular mentioned for either big-time college programs or even the NFL. I feel like those three would be on any short list. A rule, of course, taking the Panthers' job. Um, another thing I was thinking watching Notre Dame-USC Saturday night, I tweeted this out. There's many Colts fans out there that would cut off a pinky for a Lincoln-Riley-Caleb-Williams combo here in Indy. 
<clears throat> I saw that. Here's the thing. Caleb Williams is pretty incredible. He is, but he's not eligible for another year, right? I know. Yeah. So that means you've got to go through. That means Notre Dame has to see him again next year. The other thing that would give me pause, and I and I wonder if this affects Caleb Williams' draft stock at all. There are a few, and let me, before you jump on the first part of this that I'm about to say, there's a weird thing that theoretically should be strictly coincidence and not even applied. But like when Sam Darnold came into the draft and people like, you know, a USC quarterback has never been to the Super Bowl, never won a Super Bowl. You know, the best quarterback to come out of USC, you know, who would be the all-time never won a Super Bowl, I should say. Pat Hayden went to the Super Bowl. But, I, you know, who is the greatest quarterback to come out of USC in terms of professional play? Probably Carson Palmer, right? I, I was going to say, I, that was the name coming to mind to me. Is there no but one But there better? have been a lot of great quarterbacks, college quarterbacks at USC that, just, that were good but not great quarterbacks in the National Football League. But does Williams apply to that? I mean, well, but, but so that's what I was going to say. Let me finish what I was saying. I don't know that you necessarily that those things are applicable. Does does you know does what a guy does in twenty twenty at a school have anything to do with what did or didn't happen for the quarterback at that school in nineteen eighty one? Likewise, that same logic would apply to the following, Kevin. Is there concern, or, or or does Caleb Williams get in any way, shape, or form demerited? And I, I, I said all that in the beginning to preface by saying, I don't think this should apply. But will it apply that you look at Lincoln Riley and you look at the quarterbacks that he's had that look to be unbelievably dynamic talents based on their college performances and the offense that he was instilling for them, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and then does it translate to long-term franchise-level quarterback success in the National Football League, and does that give pause to a Caleb Williams of, wait a minute, Baker Mayfield looked pretty darn good running that offense and other quarterbacks that he's had? I don't know that it should because Caleb Williams is a dynamic talent. But in terms of the versatility, the mobility, the the offense reading, you know, hell, I watched – a kid in South Carolina and Spencer Rattler absolutely carve apart the Clemson defense, and that's another guy that was a Lincoln Riley player. You know what I mean? <laughs> so our hearts got broken by Lincoln Riley, is what you're saying on Saturday? I guess maybe you were happy though, because you didn't want to see Clemson in the playoff. Well, I don't know that Clemson would have gotten in because even if they had won and won the ACC title, they still need one more. Team yeah, lose, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. If TCU or you, you know, at that point they probably would have work their way in front of Alabama and Ohio State if they you know neither here nor there but they just didn't play let me tell you something you talk about quarterbacks and the crap shoot of recruiting there is no quarterback in college football that had more praise coming in and more expectation of automatic can't miss five star whatever than DJ Uyungle at Clemson and he was terrible terrible well look what he did in his debut against Notre Dame I know but he was also thrown to guys that are all playing on Sunday you know, watching Caleb Williams on Saturday night, Jake, First, one of the first things that kind of popped in my head, it's kind of crazy to think Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. will be in college football next year. Those two would probably go 1-2 in the draft if they are eligible in April. Like, watching Notre Dame try to tackle Caleb Williams was, I think, reminiscent to maybe some some backyard turkey bulls 
around the United States over this weekend of like you have the you know college age kid and all his little fifth grade cousins are trying to tackle him in the backyard and he's just running keeping plays alive and they're jumping on him and he's shedding tacklers it was remarkable seeing Williams just keep plays alive Herb Street kept on mentioning a Patrick Mahomes comparison not arm but more of keeping plays alive you watch Mahomes it's not like Mahomes is Usain Bolt or Lamar Jackson out there it's just this pretty innate feel of you don't let the pressure bother you you know it's there you know you have to be elusive enough but you have just this unbelievable knack for sensing it knowing how to escape obviously there's a level of high athleticism that you have to have and Mahomes does this better than anybody Mahomes always has his head downfield, eyes downfield, looking to still make that play. It's not a, here comes the pressure, my head drops, and boom, I'm scrambling, and I'm abandoning any sort of pass. Watching Caleb Williams do that, um, I mean, you guys have heard me say this far often, and again, I know that finding that level of athleticism is difficult, but Jalen Hurts did it again last night. When the Colts look for their next quarterback, they have to have to find a guy that can make some plays with his legs. Undoubtedly. Now, I thought about this as well because I saw your tweet during the USC game of like how much would the Colts be salivating for a Lincoln Riley Caleb Williams combo. Lincoln Riley, when he was at Oklahoma, had a house in Lincoln. And in the challenge, I think, for a lot that a lot of people fail to realize. This is probably true for players in Indianapolis as well when they leave here. It's great to buy yourself like a $3 million home in Indianapolis, Indiana, or in Lincoln, Nebraska. The problem being when it comes time to sell it, you've got a pretty limited number of people that can buy that in Indianapolis or Lincoln, Nebraska. So Lincoln Riley, when he when USC came knocking, he said, you know, look, I'd love to come there, but it's going to be tough to sell my house. And USC said, what if we just buy it? So they bought his house for him paid it off then they gave him 10 million dollars a year then they bought him a house for six million dollars in the los angeles area and then they gave him unlimited use of their private jet that's the package the compensation package that he got for going to usc now if you're usc you look at it okay a year later here they are with one loss playing one game away from going into the college football playoff ends justified the means i guess but so if you're lincoln riley and you're living in Santa Monica or Pasadena or wherever he may be living in a house that USC paid for that's $6 million while cashing your $10 million check can, contemplating whether or not to go ahead and spend the weekend in Cabo taking the private jet to get there and not worrying about the fact that your mortgage in Oklahoma is hanging over you because that was already paid off. Why would you go to and move to Zionsville, Indiana to coach the Indianapolis Oh, what about Colts? Geist? <laughs> or there. What's the cove called in Feather Geist? Cove. Yeah. No, uh, at Cocktail Cove. Cocktail Cove, thank you. Which, by yeah. the way, when the when the whole like Marcus Shrinker, Tim Durham thing happened, and like I was watching Dateline, and they're like, it was another night in Cocktail Cove, yeah, Indiana. Yeah. And I'm like, what who the, the hell has ever heard of that? What July was the other fourth one? Cocktail Paradise. Cove. It can get a little risky out there. <laughs> yeah. What was the other one we talked about before Thanksgiving? That's, again, like months ago, but it was like Paradise. What was the, what was the tournament someone was playing in? The location? Here locally? It was, wasn't IU was playing at like Paradise something? What were we talking Butler about? Butler was in the Bahamas. Was that what it was? The Atlantis was where Butler was. 
How about the how about the um the women's thing that took place out in Las Vegas and it was in like a, a ballroom? Did you see that? Yeah, that they're like, yeah, you're in room B down the hall. Here's what I don't understand about that, and I realize that we just took a complete jerk of the wheel here, which is cool. I'm cool with that, obviously. But here's what I don't understand for those that are unfamiliar. Indiana played in a women's college basketball tournament over the Thanksgiving holiday in Las Vegas, and Megan McEwen, who's doing a great job in covering women's basketball and used to work at Wish TV, um, put out like a Twitter thread that kind of got a lot of attention, and then people were like, wait a minute, what's going on here that it was promised that they were going to be playing in this fabulous Las Vegas venue, and it turned out it was just the ballroom of a casino with like literally like folding chairs for the crowd. And one of the games was delayed 30 minutes because a player got hurt and they had to get the paramedics there and they didn't have any paramedics on site. Now, all of that is inexcusable. But there is a part of me, though, that's like, why would these teams agree to begin a game if there's not already medical staff on site? I mean, I, I have worked, I can't tell you how many race weekends I have been in where a practice or qualifying session was delayed because they they didn't have the helicopter on site, either because it was too foggy and the helicopter couldn't land or wouldn't be able to take off in the case of an emergency. And if that's not if they don't have every medical aspect ready to go and at their immediate disposal, they wait until that's all up there before they do anything. So yeah, it's like, like a pregame how, checklist. Right. Like how do they play a game without like Oh, wait a minute. We just realized there's no medical personnel here? What? How, how does that game even get tipped off? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. How is that venue figured out anyway? That, Terrible. That joke. I think everyone thinks that they can create this Battle of Atlantis sort of venue where that ballroom doesn't look like it's necessarily... I mean, that the IU ballroom, that looked absolutely pathetic. It was Paradise Island, by the way. That's what I was thinking of. They played in Paradise Island, Bahamas. Well, one thing on that Lincoln Riley note, Jake, obviously there are... Millions, literally millions of reasons for him to stay at a USC. I think some of it just comes down to, and I don't know, maybe Urban Meyer felt this in taking the Jacksonville job. If you are able to, and Lincoln Riley still needs to do it at the college level, but if you're able to win a national title and a Super Bowl, now all of a sudden are you jumping Belichick? Are you jumping Saban in the greatness of football coaches? And does that matter? Do you consider Jimmy Johnson greater than Belichick? You know, Jimmy would probably be. I think in modern, I, I don't okay. know, Barry I, Switzer. Yeah, I think in modern, it's a little bit more difficult to do it. Um, that might just be me speaking out of age, and so I, I I apologize for that. But I think that is some of the potential appeal that you have. Of why did Saban, you know, take the Dolphins' job? Um, why did Urban Meyer take the Jags' job? Why would a Lincoln Riley leave what he has? at USC, I think it's to kind of prove yourself at that next notch. Right, I get that. And I also think that for football coaches, the NFL is the creme de la creme, right? I mean, that's that's the upper echelon for sure. Uh, Bob Kravitz going to join us here in about 10 minutes. Kevin and Coy. Bob Kravitz going to join us here in about five minutes. Time to get to with Bob. He was at the bucket game on Saturday afternoon. And really... You know, Jake, I hadn't heard any of this until, I guess, really Jeff Brom's post-game press conference on Saturday of what Aiden O'Connell was dealing with off the field. And it was announced yesterday, Purdue released a statement from Aiden O'Connell that his older brother, Sean, um, had passed, I believe, in the last week. And you see Jeff Brom, first you saw Aiden O'Connell's emotion post-game. 
Um, but then you hear from Jeff Brom in the interview room, and Bob asked him this question about Aiden O'Connell. And again, this is a very stoic individual in Jeff Brom. We've had him on here. Um, you aren't going to get a ton of emotion. I think everyone sees the XFL clip from <laughs> Jeff Brom and doesn't give a lot of that in media settings. Um, but here was Jeff Brom. This is post-game Saturday when Bob Kravitz asked him about Aiden O'Connell's own emotion after that win. Aiden, Aiden uh, he's got a lot going on right now. I'm not going to say anything, but... <sighs> so he's emotional for a lot of reasons, but uh, he played really hard. Uh, he stepped up, the, up to the plate when his teammates needed him. Uh, he gave us great effort all year long. doesn't matter what's going on. He gives us great effort, and I just think... Uh, it's another great story. So really proud of him, uh, him and his family. We appreciate everything they've done for us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to be with them every step of the way. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty apparent there, is it not, that something was going on, right? Um, something very serious. Correct. And you could tell emotional, right? Um, and Aiden O'Connell – and I give credit to Purdue for allowing the O'Connell family or Aiden O'Connell to make public what was going on, which was the passing of his brother. I mean, with my understanding is within like 48 hours or so of that game itself, uh, a little more than that, I'm sorry, but within a week to your point, Kevin. Um, And so I think they handled it very well. Um, You know, Aiden O'Connell is obviously – a pretty mature guy. I don't know him, but he's, you know, a good leader for Purdue for certain. Um, and so that's why you saw the raw emotion of Aiden O'Connell after them, you know, winning the bucket. And the reality is that probably Aiden O'Connell would have been crying into a towel regardless of the outcome of that game because life is bigger than football sometimes, not sometimes, all the time. And in that situation, it was. Um, but a great win for Purdue, and uh, I actually went into uh, Mascraft Brewing up on in Fishers. Uh, we went there Saturday night just to have a beer before dinner, and I walked in, and it was the Purdue Alumni Association uh, like watch party, and there was one one guy sitting at the bar next to me, really nice guy. Uh, wearing an IU jersey, <laughs> he's like, man, I had no idea. When I, he's like, I'm here all the time. Trying to crash this didn't really <laughs> yeah. work out well. And then they had trivia, and like I was in Shannon's, like Jake, don't just let the people have their trivia. But yeah. I'm like, try, I'm like, Jake gets Shannon and Uber to go home. I'm gonna stay here. I just met some friends here. We're gonna do trivia. <laughs> That's yeah, but it was a lot of fun. But um, listen, a great night. Aside from Aiden O'Connell's personal and his family tragedy, and certainly the best to them. For Purdue football and Purdue athletics, a great night and a great weekend. And what a week now as they lead into the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, awesome atmosphere. Going to be Saturday night here in the city of Indianapolis. Obviously the first time Purdue or Indiana represented a respective division in the Big Ten title game. The early line, Mark, have you seen anything on it? I, I thought I saw it opened around 15. Give me a second. I'll check it for you. I actually think Purdue can compete. Yeah. I mean... Now, Michigan responded really well last year from beating Ohio State. I mean, they demolished Iowa in the Big Ten title game. But honestly, the fact that it's indoors and Purdue's passing game won't be impacted by weather is probably a great thing. Michigan is 15.5-point favorites at the moment. They've struggled at, at times this year. Maryland, Illinois competitive with them 
at home for long stretches, but certainly what Michigan did to Ohio State was darn impressive on Saturday. We'll talk more about that. And Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And variety of things next. Bob Kravitz joins us. Jake, quite the re- weekend for the Boilers. They're traveling back right now to West Lafayette from their win of the Phil Knight Legacy Classic. That is double-digit wins over West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke. They close that Duke game. I don't think Duke scored in the final like six or seven minutes of that game. Um, and then the day prior, I, I guess we got to go back to Friday. Nebraska holds on to beat Iowa, and that allows Purdue to face a win and go to the Big Ten title game with Indiana. They're down at half. Devin Mockaby, Charlie Jones, Aiden O'Connell, and company. Outstanding in the second half. The Dexter Williams injury, which you just hated to see for Indiana, certainly played a role. But Purdue wins that one kind of going away in the fourth quarter. Um, Quite a weekend for Purdue fans. And Bob Kravitz was covering it uh, all weekend long with the athletic. Do we have Bob, by the way, Mark? Okay. Uh, Bob's going to join us in a couple of minutes. And, you know, I talked to Bob yesterday, and we were talking primarily about the bucket game. And then it, as I was talking to him, he's like, hey, man, they just went on an 11 nothing run against Duke. I'm like, holy cow. Like, it just – it was a really good weekend, unquestionably. A really good weekend for them um, athletically. And, and, Kevin, you made an interesting point. I mean, Michigan's going to be the heavy favorite. I don't know what the early line is in that game, but – 15 and a half, you say, Mark? You know, I've always said, why not Indiana? How about why not Purdue, right? Why not Purdue? Just you know, uh, apply some game pressure. I, I mean, it's not like Michigan fans are going to be paying out the wazoo to come down to Indianapolis for that game, but I'd assume that will be a heavy Purdue contingent inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, you're, mean hey, if you're an Ohio State fan and you had tickets to that game, you're going to sell them to the old Boiler faithful before you sell, correct. Selling them. And there are a lot of Ohio State fans that I remember <laughs> last year when Michigan played. Was it Iowa? They played. Yeah, they Big Ten title game. Smoked them like. An hour before the game was to kick off, a buddy of mine who's an Ohio State fan is like, you want to go to the Big Ten Championship game? And I'm like, what? Well, I got a suite. <laughs> I bought a suite like six weeks ago, and I've got to like fill it up with 10 people. You know, da, da, da. you want to go? And I, I couldn't go. But, um, you know, it'll be – listen, it'll be a lot of fun this weekend. I mean, whether you're an Indiana fan, Ohio State fan, whatever it is, come downtown and enjoy it and go to the bars and, and enjoy the crowds and just have fun with it. It's festive. It's great. Andrew goes, as a Purdue fan, I don't ever want to hear about how they never get local radio airtime. Love the coverage today. Boiler up. Yeah, I mean, somebody – here's the thing. Somebody sends a thing calling us out that we've never talked about Purdue before, and I'm like, well, that's clearly somebody's not listening. I'm wearing a Purdue hat today for crying out loud. And again, credit – to Purdue for, you know, not forcing us, but providing such an opportunity to talk about them. Last night we were talking about it because, I, you know, the three of us obviously have texts where we talk about and plan out what the show's going to be, and the Colts are playing tonight. Yes, Monday Night Football. The Pacers played yesterday. The Pacers are playing the Lakers tonight. Yeah, I mean. It's very rare, I think, just to have a college storyline 
you know, supersede what's happening professionally when the Colts and the Pacers are in the midst of their own season. Like you said, Monday Night Football, Jake, Pacers-Lakers tonight. But that is what Purdue did this weekend. And talk more about that, Bob Kravitz joins us right now from the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Bob, if you don't mind, just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain um, with you at the bucket game. Uh, we played the clip from you and Jeff Brom a little bit earlier in that post-game press conference. Um, like, When did you find out about the Aiden O'Connell news and, and just how that entire storyline played out for you? Yeah, uh, well, I noticed that uh, Aiden was very emotional on the sideline. And uh, I went to the game, and I, w- I went downstairs, and as I was walking... I uh, I walked by their their team uh, chaplain uh, Marty Dittmar, and I said, "What was that all about?" And he said, "Well, I'll let I'll let uh, Aiden, you know, share that." But he said, "It's it's an unbelievable story. It's unbelievable that he played on Saturday." Um, and then, of course, you know, I asked Jeff Brom about it, and he got very emotional. So I knew that there was a family uh, tragedy involved. Um, I found out later, uh, as I was writing what exactly happened that he lost his, uh, older brother, I believe it was. Um, I decided not to write it because it was my understanding that Aiden was going to, uh, uh, put out a statement the very next day. And, uh, that's just one of those where you make kind of a professional decision. Uh, you know, it's not like, Andrew Luck retiring, and you got to get it out there. I just felt uh, I felt that uh, I should let him make that announcement, and so I kept it under my hat and um, just kind of let it go from there. Bob, as somebody who was there, was it? I mean, you had mentioned that you know you kind of had an inkling, but could you? Could you kind of feel in the in the atmosphere of the postgame with Purdue and what should have been obviously this overwhelming celebration? Um, you know how how noticeable was kind of that? You know this this obviously tragic cloud that was hanging there. Well, I mean the, the players. You know we 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 actually got kind of lost walking downstairs. Uh, they changed where the visitors uh, do their press conference, at least since I've been there last, which has been a long time. And, uh, you know, the players were like, you know, kids at Christmas morning diving into their hats and shirts. It really wasn't until I, I, I touched base with uh, the, uh, with, with the uh, chaplain and then, and then conversed, uh, asked the question of, of Brahm, and he got very... Uh, very emotional. So and, you know, and, and he made it clear that there was a family situation that he didn't want to talk about. So you know, I guess I guess I could have done something different with it, but I just felt I felt uncomfortable knowing that he was going to make an announcement. I didn't want to step on that. I thought you handled it beautifully. Bob Kravitz with us here from the Athletic on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The other big Purdue news from this past weekend is what they did out in Portland on the basketball floor. A pretty dominant beating West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke. You look at this December slate, I mean, there's a good chance they honestly will start January undefeated. But if you kind of had to sum up why you think Matt Painter has been able to sustain a high level, I mean, routine, top of the Big Ten, top five seed in the tournament amidst you know just the inevitable roster turnover you have, how would you kind of summarize that? He gets guys who fit. 
You know, if you go back a couple of years, and I remember talking to Matt about this, you go back a couple of years when they were really struggling for about two, three years there. He was going for the big talents with, with the four stars and the five stars, and it didn't work out. They were terrible, and a lot of players left the program because they couldn't handle, you know, Matt. Matt's not an easy guy to play for, and that's what makes him great. I think he's gotten back to getting guys who fit the Purdue culture, who want to be there for a long time, who uh, play selfless basketball. Now, you know, I, I love what Purdue is doing, but correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they show out early last year in all these tournaments and then they failed to win the Big Ten regular season, they failed to win the Big Ten tournament, and they got knocked out by St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament. So I would say give it some time. I mean, they're a wonderful team to watch, uh, and they just annihilated uh, Duke and Gonzaga. I thought they just outclassed them in every conceivable manner. But we've seen this. I, I, am I right about last year? Was yeah, right. yeah. You know they beat Nova and uh, Carolina. I, literally, I got, right. a, I got a text here that says, what we have to remember is that last year, Purdue played like this against North Carolina and Villanova, but we did not right. play well in the tournament. Yeah. But again, no one thought they would do what they did in Portland. People thought they would do what they did last year in November. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer and 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 uh, Braden Smith. I mean, Braden Smith is is so much fun to watch. I mean, and he's another guy that you know. I, I don't know uh, that he had a lot of uh, a lot of offers, you know, but. You look at Zach Eady. Zach Eady was ranked like number five hundred in the country as far as as far as uh, you know fre- incoming freshmen. And look at him now. I mean, he's a stud. So I, I just think that I think Painter and his staff have a good sense of what kind of player, both physically and and personally, will fit in that program. And he's got it. He's got it working beautifully now. Bob, the reality is when it comes to uh, going back to the bucket game, by the way, you know there are two local teams that are in that game, so might as well do a buy one, get one here in terms of the coverage or the analysis of it from the Indiana side. Um, look, I'll be blunt. I'll be blunt because I've said it on this show before. Uh, Tom Allen ain't it, in my opinion, for Indiana. And, and I think he's a wonderful guy. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's a, probably a, a really good influence on young people, but in terms of coaching a football team the big 10 network showed before the game tom allen addressing the indiana football team and i'm not in the locker room don't get me wrong but i'm watching it and i'm watching him parade up and down and i'm looking at the body language of the players and it looked to me like a bunch of players that were like oh my gosh dude just wrap it up and, yeah and they just there were i actually saw an eye roll i mean they can they pan the camera and you can see one player rolling his eyes a has tom allen lost the team and b is it time for Indiana to move on? The problem is twenty million bucks, right? The the the, uh, the buyout is twenty million, but you know, I I did not think that they would buy out Archie, especially toward the end of a pandemic. Different somebody, sport and different priority of the university, though, right? Right. No, I I understand that, um, but uh, that that's another reason because it's a, such a high priority. Basketball is. Somebody stepped up. I don't think Tom Allen is out. <clears throat> I think Tom Allen will get another year. The, you know, I thought he hurt himself. I don't know if you guys heard it um, during his radio show. He went on for about 10 minutes straight 
there was just a filibuster about how the NIL is killing Indiana. Well, here's what I and said, Bob. What I said about that, that, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but but you tell me if you agree with this. My thought was, because Tom Allen's talking about how Indiana doesn't have the funds or the commitment for NIL that like an Ohio State does and whatever else, and I'm thinking to myself, buddy, you better be careful what you wish for, because if Indiana was willing to raise and capable of raising tens of millions of dollars, it ain't going to NIL, it's going to buy you out. Right, exactly right, exactly right. No, I, look... I mean, how, how has Purdue done it? I mean, I, I do not know the answer to this, but does Purdue, which has gone won eight games in a, uh, eight games two two years in a row uh, for the first time since ninety seven ninety eight, are they doing that much better in the NIL funds than Indiana? And I asked that question not knowing the answer. Yeah, but they're winning. Yeah, and, and again, I. NIL is still new. I mean, Purdue established, and obviously Aiden O'Connell wouldn't even be sniffed from an NIL standpoint when he came out of high school. And what they've done with the with the transfer portal, I think, helps. But I mean, certainly Jeff Brom is a better head coach than Tom Allen. So I think was Tom Allen right with you know a large chunk of what he said NIL wise? Yes, but also you've got to get your program to a level of at least acceptable ground before. You even then entertain the thought of okay, the next level NIL wise um, takes you from you know five win Big Ten team to seven or eight win Big Ten team. I just think I think the COVID year was was Tom Allen was the perfect guy for a year when players were looking for anything to get out of their dorm rooms and go play football. Um, and I just don't think he has that luxury that he had back then. Yeah, I, it, it's it's going to be kind of a tough call. I mean. Uh... Again, the buyout is, is, you know, it's. I guess it's doable. I mean, somebody's got to check somewhere. Um, I would agree with you. I mean, they. This is two years in a row where he said, you know, let's find out what we're really about. We found out what they're really about. They're a four-five win team, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a mess. I I do not know what Dolphin does in this situation. Yeah, again, I just don't think you got enough boosters that care about IU football to that level. Uh, Bob Kravitz, again, he is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, looking ahead to tonight, Colts and Steelers. Um, we're now, what, almost a month, I guess a little bit less than a month into the Jeff Saturday era. Um, do you think he's more of a legit permanent head coaching candidate now than maybe you thought three or four Mondays ago? Oh, probably just because they played they played really well against the Raiders and they played well enough to uh, almost beat the uh, beat the Eagles, who are clearly the best team in the in the league. So, uh, yeah, I think he, you know he's more of a candidate now. Let's see how it goes. You know, I mean, they got an easy game, not an easy game. They're playing an equally bad team tonight, but then they've got. I don't have it in order, but they got at Minnesota, at the Giants, at the Vikings, uh, the at Chargers. Dallas. Yeah, so Dallas. So, I mean, it's going to be a real tough road to hope for them coming down the stretch. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll throw a name out there coming in this week with uh, with Michigan, Jim Harbaugh. Okay, which leads me to this, Bob. Is yeah. that an Ursay? Can, can can I? Yeah, go ahead. Interject there. Is that a Jim Ursay? Always been fond of Jim Harbaugh from that sense. I that's my understanding is that he's always been a big Jim Harbaugh fan. But you know, we haven't uh, we haven't had that discussion in, in in recent times. 
you know, once the season is over, I'll start doing that reporting. But uh, I'm just looking at guys who might be, you, you got to know that Jim Irsay wants to make a big splash. And, you know, that doesn't mean uh, a guy who's an offensive coordinator uh, or a defensive coordinator that nobody's ever heard of. I think he wants to make a splash, especially after the way he screwed up this whole situation this year. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder about Jim Harbaugh, who's in the ring of honor, who has um, made it clear that he, he wants back with uh, in the NFL. So, I don't know, I'm just throwing a name out there. So I'm not saying he's a, he's a candidate, but he's somebody I would certainly think about. So, Bob, let's, let's go with a hypothetical here. It's one year from now. The Colts are getting ready to play on Monday Night Football. You are on our show, assuming that we're still doing a show, and yeah. and I ask you about it, and you say, you know, I talked to Jim Harbaugh about that yesterday, and he was talking about how he was really happy with the way their quarterback is playing, and in fact, he just had a discussion with the general manager about how long they can lock that quarterback in. The quarterback and the general manager that you're talking about in that scenario one year from today is who? Or are who? Uh, I think probably Jeff Sack moves upstairs. Okay. I think Jeff Saturday moves upstairs. I, I don't. I think poor Chris Ballard. Not poor Chris Ballard. I think Chris Ballard has been emasculated by what's what's happened this year. Uh, Jim Irsay, you know, I mean, look, everybody, I think a lot of people really have warm feelings for Jim Irsay. He's done so many great things, but I think he has messed up this season in so many ways. Um, you know, I think, I think Saturday will probably, probably end up in the GM role. Uh, who will be the coach? I don't know. Maybe Harbaugh, maybe somebody else, maybe be enemy. If he can finally get, get, you know, break through the glass ceiling. Uh, I, I, I'm not really sure, but I don't think that Chris Ballard will be here next year. Do you believe that Chris Ballard would be relieved of his duties, or do you believe that Chris Ballard would hand in his walking papers? Well, I, you know, I would think that they would fire, you know, if you want to get paid, don't you, generally speaking, have to get fired? I mean, yes. you just walk away. You just walk away. I mean, I've tried that, and it doesn't work. They don't pay <laughs> anymore. So, so uh I, I think I think they'll reach a gentleman's agreement and uh, and move from there. I mean, you look at you you look at Ballard and the way he acted at the Jeff Saturday press conference, and then and Jake, you and I spoke about this the other day, one of our late night uh, radio calls. That's right, radio talks, our radio uh, phone phone conversations, and you know after the game. After the Raiders game, Jim Mercy is like, everybody in here for a picture. Chris, Chris, no, Chris, you come here too. And he didn't want anything to do with this mess. So I, I would I would have a hard time believing that he's going to be the GM next year. It's like the boyfriend at the family Christmas of like, do we want him in the actual picture? Is he still going to be around Put him here? on the edge so we can crop him out. Yeah, moving forward. Uh, Bob, a normal like sports calendar, tonight's Pacers-Lakers game would be a huge, huge storyline, but it gets lost in the shuffle with everything that's transpired in the last 72 hours or so. Um, 
Any vibes change at all for you, Miles Turner, extension-related here in Indiana? We saw over the weekend, I believe Mark Stein had this, Miles Turner's changed agencies. He's moved to CAA, kind of one of the mega agencies out there. Usually when I see that, I think that's a man that wants to go get the bag, as the young kids say, in free agency. Um, Anything change for you on that front based off how the season's gone so far? Nothing at all, and if anything, that that confirms that – you know, I, I've been saying that he, he wants to move on. Uh, what I do not know is whether the Pacers are interested in extending him. I think uh, for the right price, they would be. He's been playing tremendous basketball um, now that he's freed up to play the five full time. Um, but I, I still think, I, I think Miles wants a bigger market. I think he would love to go back to Dallas. Um, and I don't blame them. I mean, look, this team—they're playing well, but they're probably not—they're not going to be a contender for a long time. He wants to go someplace where they're going to contend, and I think he likes the big city. You know, he likes—he likes having people around and reporters, and he, he's into all that stuff. So I, I you know, I, I don't blame him. Go get your money, and, and who doesn't want to become a free agent? I want to become a free agent. I haven't been a free agent for a long time. I miss it. Trust me, I just got off a long free agency, and it's not all cracked out to me all the time. Yeah, been there, done that, Bob. But no, I yeah. Miles never been a free agent in his what eight no. years in the NBA. So you think that's got to be enticing to him, Bob? I thought you handled Saturday really, really well. Um, I respect that big time from that storyline and and everything that transpired there. And uh, get a nap in today because I know it'll be a late night. That it will. See you, Bob. Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. One thing to note on the Jeff Saturday front office potential, Jake, I need to nail this down a little bit better, so I apologize for not having more details, but didn't Saturday take like a random kind of front office gig with the Colts right after he was done playing? Maybe for just like a Briefly, month. Briefly, right? He was a good... Was it consulting of some yeah. sort? Yeah, yeah. Like glorified consultant. And and then we find out that he was still on the payroll the whole time he was doing the ESPN thing. Which so would to that me have is... been Grigson? That have been like the 2012 Grigson first year or like early on in the Grigson yeah, era? Yeah, that'd be right. I should text Ryan and see if he wants to chat about that. But uh, Open that floodgate, <laughs> are you? I... Uh, that, I again, I and I'm not going to act like that short stint was anything close to what a GM would be. But I do think we have to acknowledge being a head coach and the leader of a football team, I think is vastly different than being a general manager of a football team. I think like, does Jeff Saturday want to travel to you know Notre Dame Clemson and right. you know kind of be in his bunker and scout, scout, scout? Or does he want to be on the grass and in front of teams and in locker rooms, things like that? You know, in addition to that, knowing the game from an X's and O's standpoint, is, to your point, Kevin, totally different than knowing who would be able to play it. Does that make sense? Yeah. By yeah. the way, I think Ryan Grigson blocked me. Oh, Twitter? No, no, texting. Number? number because he... Jeez, that's really ex-girlfriend. He, he, well, he, he, he used to text me a lot. I thought you um, guys saw each other at the Combine. We did. I he, he used to text me a lot. That does not make me unique <laughs> in this market, trust me. Um, and, and I had actually fairly enjoyable phone conversations with him about a number of different things and then he somehow or another he got the impression that something that he had told me that I had like leaked and I'm like no I actually didn't 
Um, but you told the same thing to like 47 different people in the market. Um, and so he was like, that's it. Like you're out. And then I ran into him during the combine and texted him afterwards saying, Hey, it was good to run into you and got no reply. So I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm blocked. I mean, I was, he's just busy. I always liked him. Vikings off to a nice start this year. They right? are. You got to be persistent. You got to send another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. Got to get the bat off your shoulders, right? <laughs> I mean, if I gave up after one text, we'd never have guests on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd be married. Uh, Joseph chimes in and goes, Ursay negotiating with Harbaugh while, while he's in town for the Big Ten Championship? I think anything's possible. What's Harbaugh making at Michigan? Wasn't he really close with Minnesota last year? There was Going a, to the Vikings? Harbaugh's been rumored. Remember, he's been like, yes. Wasn't that reported? It felt like, like the Vikings was kind of the juiciest one. It was like the Lane Kiffin-Auburn thing of like right. somebody reported like, it's a done deal. I mean, Harbaugh's four, was it four years at San Francisco? That was a damn impressive run he had there in four years. Uh, Seven million he's getting paid annually at Michigan. Frank Reich made eight million. I was always under the impression that Andrew Luck and Jim Harbaugh weren't the closest. Really? Don't don't make me go through my entire quarterback carousel again between oh god the, no, the no. seven degrees of Kevin we Bacon. We have a of lot of storylines to talk about. <laughs> Save that for next year, Wednesday of Thanksgiving. We can go over uh, pop quiz, Mark. Yep. 317-239-1070. Jiffy Lube oil change up for grabs as we look ahead to Monday Night Football. Colts and Steelers will give out our picks to round out the show. Before all of that, morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, let's start with the bucket game and Purdue clinching their berth for a Big Ten championship again. That'll be Michigan Saturday night inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Here was Jeff Brom on the second half comeback in Bloomington to clinch that title. You know, you put in a lot of hard work. Your players do, your coaches do for dreaming about this opportunity. And uh, obviously a lot of things had to go our way, uh, and we understand that. But our guys just competed hard all year long. Uh, We tried to learn from our mistakes. Uh, they battle and play. Every game's not perfect. Every game goes back and forth. But uh, we found a way to do enough to win. So couldn't be proud of our team. Uh, it's a huge accomplishment. It really means a lot. It just shows you that you know anybody can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. That sounds like the line from Back to the Future, right? Yeah. Am I the only one that remembers no, that? I've George seen that movie a billion times. Jeff Brom strike you as a back you to the Put your mind to it. You can, you can accomplish, accomplish anything, anything if you put your mind to it. Thanks, Dad. I'm That's exactly right. on Little League pitching mounds everywhere on an <laughs> annual basis. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a special weekend for the Boilermakers, not only on the gridiron, but on the basketball floor. Jake, they beat West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke all by double figures to win the Phil Knight Classic. Zach Eady, MVP, 22-10. and 10. For the big fella. Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? <laughs> uh, NBA, by the way, last night, Pacers 114-100 losers to the L.A. Clippers. They stay right there in L.A. Same arena, as a matter of fact. To take on the Lakers tonight, last night it was Jalen Smith with a career-high 23 for Indiana. Tyrese Halliburton had 15 and 11 assists. Other winners in the association, Brooklyn, Golden State, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Memphis, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, the Lakers have won five of six as they come into this matchup with Indiana. They did not play last night, so Rick Carlisle threw up the white flag with the Pacers in the fourth quarter yesterday, knowing the back-to-back was coming. LeBron James, 
Sounds like he'll play tonight. By the way. And Anthony Davis, questionable. I looked it up. LeBron James at his current pace in terms of scoring average would become the NBA's all-time leading scorer in 43 more games. Now, that's assuming he plays every game. It would take 43 games played. Uh, they play at Indiana 38 games from now. So he's going to be in the target of the all-time scoring record when they come to so Factoring Cambridge in tonight. a handful of rest nights, of That's the problem. But he gets a couple 50-point nights in there, makes up for it. You never know. He might want to go for 50 tonight with Benedict Matherin's quotes this offseason. So I'll be, uh, I guess we what? We flip over for that and we can watch the second half of that, right? Yeah. 10.30 tip. Colts game. We'll see where it is. What time, time will we be leaving Lucas Oil Stadium tonight? We so got to be, we gotta be tip, here at seven tomorrow. Two run-oriented teams. I think. I think you can be out of there around midnight. Okay. Depending on post-game availability, we should go over um, our listening plan for tonight from a schedule standpoint. Again, Colts and Pacers. Both happening at the same time. Colts obviously starting a little bit earlier. Basically, the pregame show, 5.30, right here on the fan. Then when the game kicks off for uninterrupted coverage, head over to our sister station, that's 97.1 Hank FM. You will get uninterrupted coverage of the entire Colts game. The Pacers game will be joined in progress. Um, They'll leave the Colts game you know, right around that ten, what is it, ten o'clock coverage, ten thirty tip uh, for the Lakers game. So ninety-seven point one for the entire Colts game. The fan will be on just, the Pacers game. Just remember this: when you think about Monday Night Football, even though he doesn't do it anymore, when you think about Monday Night Football, you think about Hank Williams Jr. and the Monday Night Intro. So when you think of Monday Night Football tonight, think of Hank FM, and that's where you can find the Colts. Oh, I like it. Uh, anything stand out to you guys from this past weekend, uh, NFL-wise? Some two-point conversion drama, Chargers and Jags. I was going to ask you this, Kevin, because it's it's few and far between. Bengals over the Titans. There are moments where Trevor Lawrence shows. I, I had said, because I watched him every single snap in college, and I'm like, look, this guy has Peyton Manning-level potential. I, and people thought I was crazy, and probably I was. <coughs> But then we see games like yesterday where Jacksonville, it's meaningless. It's meaningless for Jacksonville to come back and win a game like that. It, granted, against Baltimore, maybe that adds a curveball to the AFC mix. But are we? do we finally see like a body of work that, yes, in fact, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that Jacksonville can build around? I feel like we have these games with Lawrence like once every That's five it. or six is it, weeks. Is it too you inconsistent? Know? I, I, I got to see strung together a little bit more. But that drive and that moment, down the field, he leads them. I don't think they had any timeouts, if I'm not mistaken. It's like then, 40 seconds. And then the two-point conversion. Uh, were you guys watching that? Uh, I mm-hmm. actually was Christmas shopping, and Paul the Mailman, Paul Hurley, texted me and just put Trevor Lawrence. I said, what happened? And then I went back and watched. Did, do you think Justin Tucker's kick was in, Mark? It looked damn close. <laughs> it looked, I on the replay, it was definitely short, but if he would have made that, just to add to the... Was it 67? 67, yeah. Gosh. What a weapon that he can be for Baltimore. All right, it's time for the Pop Quiz. 317-239-1070. Give us a ring for the Pop Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Quiz. 
Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. A lot of people in the YouTube chat bringing up the Jim Harbaugh possibility to the Colts. I Probably a good point. You would think he would want a good amount, if not complete roster control, would he not? That's a good point. And how would that impact how Jim Irsay wants to handle Chris Ballard, Jeff Saturday, etc.? I mean, that's the thing with these candidates. When you talk Harbaugh, when you talk Sean Payton, their resumes probably demand that if you want them, they're going to want roster control, whereas some other names maybe would not fall into that. So that is a sacrifice that Jim Mersey is going to have to think about. As any coach, you would know this better than I, Jake. I can't think of any Colts coach that had roster control. I mean, obviously, Napoleon years. That's rare here. Dungey and Caldwell did not. That's a. I'm, I'm racking my brain here. I'm just going through the list of coaches in my head. I don't believe so. You know, Chuck obviously um, under Grigson and Reich with Ballard. You know, Rod Dowhower, but Jim Mercer was the general manager then. I. So I would say no. Which is normal. You know, that's how most franchises operate. But I think right. you do have some. I mean, um, between Bill Poley and um, Bill Tobin. And then, you know, Grigson and obviously now Chris Ballard, you know, those are essentially your general managers, not named Jim Irsay, and their time in Indianapolis, right? It's a great game on the pitch right now, Mark. On the pitch. Back-to-back solid games here for the World Cup today. Uh, Ghana with just went up 3-2 on South Korea, but South Korea had made things level. I'm using the proper terminology. Yes, now. it was Dosnell. <laughs> Koreans got two. Ghana responds. We still got what? 15 minutes? Yeah, and we still got some really good games later today. Cameroon and Serbia tied 3-3. Drew, 3-3. Sorry, Jake. There you go. And then you still got Brazil against Switzerland, and you got Portugal against Uruguay. Now, that the first one that you said was a draw, was that, is that Finney, or is it still going? No, it's done. That was at how like many, 5 a.m. this morning. Uh, how many stadiums are being used in Qatar? I believe eight. Eight. Is they had really? to build seven yeah. of them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, tomorrow, the United States... Iran at 2 o'clock. Win and advance. That simple. Win and advance. The United States would be favored in that game, right? They um, should be. Yeah, I was yeah. talking to my buddy Tyler Kiever, the soccer coach that I was... I'm just going to rely on his insight for the World Cup. He says the difficulty with Iran is they like to pack it in. They like to play with all 11 behind the ball. Oh, park the bus. Originally, yes. Park the bus yeah. would be a good way to put... They like to stall. Um, and the issue there is they just need to tie to advance. So they'll, they I, I need 0-0. We need 1-0. Before we get to the pop quiz, allow me 30 seconds to be the old guy on the lawn here. I saw Always. several tweets from people during the United States-England match saying, this is our generation's miracle on ice. Huh? Really? Listen, the miracle on ice was the most dominant international hockey team in the history of the sport in Russia who had not lost an international match in years going against a group of college players who they had beaten I believe like seven to nothing in an exhibition three weeks prior or a month prior to the Olympics the 
United States and England in soccer, I don't dispute that it would have been a great win for the United States, but it's still the 16th and 5th ranked teams in the world. Yeah, that's ludicrous to compare those two. Yeah, I mean, I'm like... And even the political ramifications. Correct. I mean, in the heart of the Cold War, you know... I mean, honestly, tomorrow probably has a little bit more political yeah, you're ram- right. ramifications on it than England would. All right, uh, pop quiz. Give us a number, Jake, one through eight. Uh, we'll go with number... Well, this... Uh, Ghana just scored their third goal, so we'll go with three. Okay, we'll go with Harley, who is a heartbroken Ohio State fan. Oh, Harley. How you doing? I I, I would say sorry, but I'd just be lying to you, man. Yeah, it, it was... Uh... You got to stop the big plays, you know. I, I was how, shocked. How do you lose by twenty-two ha- at home? I thought at halftime Ohio State was still going to win. I, they, they they didn't come back out after halftime. That's why. Harley, are you? I mean, look, I think he's fifty-five and five. Are you cool with Ryan Day, or are you starting to question Ryan Day? Uh well, being an Ohio State uh, coach, there's one game that you got to win, right? And. He had the better team essentially, and he's choked twice. So uh, even though he's fifty-five and five, he might as well be fifty-five and fifty-five right now. So he's John Cooper two point oh. Uh, it's it, it seeming it, it definitely seeming that way. Absolutely. Harley, are you a Colts? Are you a Colts fan? Uh, secondary. I'm from Ohio, so I'm a, a Browns fan. Which go Browns? Screw Tom Brady. That was a beautiful yeah, win yesterday. Overtime. Now, I, I and, asked uh, that to say how excited should or would Colts fans be if C.J. Stroud was their quarterback next year? Ah, uh, man. I don't know. I, I, I'm still iffy on him. I mean, the guy can play, but uh, he misses a lot, it seems like. so. I mean, you had Marvin Harrison Jr. yesterday, and you don't do anything to him, essentially, in the second half. So, I don't know. Harley, what part of Ohio did you grow up? Uh, I grew up probably 20 minutes from the Hall of Fame, um, like okay. an Alliance area, Mount Union football. Yeah. Uh, Maslin, did you grow up near Maslin? Uh, not not too far away. Um, you know, Maslin-McKinley, the, the, I mean, the biggest really high school rivalry I think there is. So. Now, that part of the state, isn't that more Michigan or am I wrong? No, on that? that's you're thinking of... Uh, Kevin, Toledo? you're thinking of Northwestern Ohio. He's from Northeastern Ohio, right, uh, Harley? Yes, yes. And there, it's a split where I'm at. So where I lived at, it pretty much took the same distance to get to uh, Pittsburgh as it did Cleveland. So I was going to say, really there's probably some Penn State split. fans there, right? Uh, yes, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, we ready for the pop quiz here, Harley? You can have me. That would be Jake lead you off, or you can opt for Kevin to lead you off. You would like which one? Uh, let's go with you, Jake. All right, here we go, Harley. Question number one. Purdue is your champion of the Phil Knight legacy over the holiday weekend in Portland, Oregon. The Boilers recorded back-to-back wins over non-conference opponents in the AP Top 10 for the first time in school history. Name the pair of national powers that we've been talking about all morning that Purdue beat to win the championship. One was ranked sixth and one was ranked eighth. Shoot. Uh, I have no idea. This no, I, I have weekend for you. Okay. Harley, so, name two college basketball teams that over the last five, six years have been really good. Uh, Gonzaga and. Uh, the other one's North got a new Carolina. coach, replaced a legend. My headset popped out. Did he say the right <laughs> answers? No, I did not say the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just give him one and move on? There was a popular yeah. song in the 60s, Blank, Blank, Blank of Earl. Who would that be? 
Blank, 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 blank. I have no idea. Blank, blank. We'll just say, there you go, UConn and Gonzaga. All right. Harley Purdue, just the second team in NCAA men's Division I basketball history to win back-to-back neutral site games over top 10 teams by 18 or more points each. I don't know if I followed that, but sounds impressive. Who was the first? The 68 UCLA Bruins, the 75 Hoosiers, the 83 Houston Cougars, or the 85 Georgetown Hoyas? Uh, let's go UCLA. Okay, question number three. Justin Herbert threw three touchdown passes in the Chargers' win over the Cardinals. He now has 88 touchdown passes in his career. That surpasses Andrew Luck for the second most TD passes by a player in their first three NFL seasons. Name the quarterback that played at the University of Pittsburgh and was part of the hailed 83 draft that threw more touchdown passes in his first three seasons than anyone else. Is it Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes? Dan Marino. Okay, Dan Marino. There we go. All right, number four. Nice bounce back here. The Raiders beat the Seahawks in OT on Josh Jacobs' 86-yard TD run. Jacobs' run was the second longest winning touchdown run in OT since the overtime rules were instituted in 1974. Who was the longest touchdown run in the history of NFL overtime? Walter Payton, Garrison Hurst, Dave Williams, or Tony Dorsett? Oh, man. Um, Do you remember the the um, Patty? There was a woman named Patty that, that... What's that? Let's go with Dorsett. He didn't want any part of that, Jake. I had a great hint lined up. Patty went, went rogue in the 60s. Okay, and this day in 1895, the first organized automobile race in the United States took place. Where was the first car race in the United States held? And it was probably was challenging to get the cars to go fast with all the wind. Indianapolis, Milwaukee, Detroit, or Chicago? That was a nice little windy city, Chicago, I guess. Okay. Did you know that Chicago is named the Windy City not because of the wind off the lake, but because of the political conventions that it once held and everybody said there would be too much hot air in the city because of all the political discussions that took place? Did you know that, Mark, as a Chicagoan? Sure. I, I, do, do we believe that, Mark? I don't. Would you like to look that up, Mark? Please, I wouldn't. Please look up Origin of Windy City and get back to us on that. All right. Harley couldn't get number one. That's probably when we knew we were in for a long <laughs> one. Uh, the pair of national powers, Purdue, beat to win the Phil Knight Legacy Classic. Gonzaga, he did say, Duke the other. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was that not how that was supposed to go? Uh, UCLA, Dan Marino, Garrison, don't call me Patty Hurst, and Chicago to round us out. we got to give out our Monday picks here. That's right. Two and a half point spread. The Colts favorite over the Steelers. We'll do that to round out. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Your friendly reminder that tonight's Colts game, from the pregame all the way through, you can hear on 97.1 Hank FM, our sister station. Right, Kev? Yeah, so pregame coverage will begin right here on the fan at 530 um, uninterrupted Colts coverage. Head over to Hank FM, 97.1. The Pacers game will be picked up on the fan starting 
at 10.30. So that'll be the same case, I think, coming up this Sunday when you got Colts and Cowboys and Pacers, I believe, and Trailblazers as the Pacers are out west. Lakers tonight, and they've got seven on the row before they're back at Cambridge Fieldhouse December 9th. Um, tonight, I cannot stress this enough, the Colts have got to win the early downs. You get you get into third and longs against T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, Alex Highsmith. Uh, Sam Ellinger will be playing at some point. Like you, you just with this O line, and it's the same thing for this Sunday too on the short week in Dallas. You cannot get into obvious passing situations against two of the more formidable, disruptive, game-changing defensive lines with Pittsburgh and then Dallas. Several years ago, Kevin. I mean, it's been twenty-five years ago. Uh, I went to a Monday night football game for the Colts here in Indy where the Colts were not very good. They took on Buffalo. And I want to say it was like the Colts were blanked. They were shut out. And it was just like a terrible game. (laughs) This has potential to be just a really ugly game offensively. I mean, there might be some great defensive play. Because, look, the Colts have a good defense. But Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, does does that scare anybody? George Pickett, I mean, does that scare anybody? It does have the potential to be one that even if Matt Ryan's in for a long night, the Colts are still in the game the entire time because Pittsburgh can't move the football. Which is kind of the story of the season, right? Yeah. I think it's the first one of 17 wins tonight. Um, Again, to your point, Jake, the Colts' defense has been stout, and it's really a shame there aren't more wins to show for what the defensive effort has been. Pittsburgh has had a few more flashes from Kenny Pickett in recent weeks. Still not a lot, (coughs) but a few more. On that front, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson. I mean, there there are some names in the in the skill group. A uh, lot of yellow and black in the stands tonight. I, mm-hmm. I would assume a lot of. I've seen a lot of people selling tickets. Terrible towels. Um, it is the kicking the stigma game for the Colts. So a lot of awareness raised there towards mental health. And again, 1956 throwback jerseys from Indy. Mark Dykton, It is a two and a half point Colt. Favor, favorite, I should say, and the over-under is 39, your pick. I don't like the Colts' offensive line, and I like the Colts or the Steelers' defensive line, so I'm going to give that as the difference. Steelers 20, Colts 17. Hmm. I'm going 17-13, guys, and I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think T.J. Watt and company make a play in the fourth quarter. Uh, that sets up a short field, stops a drive, something to that note. Pittsburgh's D-line makes one game-changing play more than the Colts' D-line, and I think that's the difference. I was a huge Steelers fan growing up in my childhood before the Colts moved here. I had Steelers pajamas. I had a Steelers lamp, still have it. I had a Steelers trash can, still have it. If I was a kid, I would have proudly been wearing those Steelers colors tonight, but I lost that phantom a long time ago. But the kid in me would have been disappointed because the Colts are going to win 20-12. to 12. Pittsburgh just does not have enough offensive firepower, I think, to get it done. Colts score 20? I think so. I think so. Maybe, one, a, maybe one of them is a defensive touchdown. It is a high-paid Pittsburgh defense. I think it's the most money of any defense in the NFL. They have not lived up to it this season. But again, T.J. Watt has only been around for a few games. He's healthy now. Again, Colts... And Steelers, 8-15, Pacers and Lakers at 10-30. We'll talk about all of that. And we've got to preview the United States and Iran tomorrow, right? That's right. Extensive preview. 
Uh, we will do that. A lot of Purdue coverage on today's show. Bob Kravitz up on the podcast. Thank you to him for joining us. Everybody have a great Monday. Good luck getting back into the swing of things. We'll talk to you tomorrow.